It's another edition of the Sip and Serve podcast where we sip what's cold and serve what's hot. My name is Clay Roll, a.k.a. Rollski. To my right, I got the board man, Corey with K. And to my left, the special guest this evening is my man, Otis. He is back. What's happening? What's up, Rollski? It's been a while. It's been a long time coming. We've been talking about this certain podcast for a while now, and I'm glad you finally made it back. We have. You You were beating around the idea for, for a little bit, and um, I thought it was a great idea as soon as you said it. And here we are. Let's make it happen. I would say... I brought this up to you like, I, I bet I brought this up in the first six months we had the podcast. Oh, absolutely. But uh, first of all, how was the drive in? It was good, Rolski. It was good. Uh, another thing I don't I don't think I told you is I drove in in the new vehicle. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Wait a minute. Yeah. Wait a minute. Last time I seen you, you were in a new vehicle. Yeah. So you traded the new vehicle in for a new vehicle? Yep. Hey, you believe this shit, Corey? He's got fucking pockets like Troy. Yeah, sounds like it. <laughs> I don't. I don't. Anybody, nobody got pockets like Troy. <laughs> what we driving? Well, wait a bit. Let's talk about what you used to have. You used to have a nice. What was that like? A 2019 F one fifty. So yeah, I had a 2019 F one fifty. Slate gray. Slate gray. Sharp. I I love that thing. And then I I'm well, sure obviously you, got, you didn't love it enough. <laughs> I didn't love the payments. I'll tell you that. Okay. I didn't love the payments. So. Uh, with that, and then also, um, I had leased it. So okay. um, the mile, I was still good on mileage, but the mileage starting to get up there and stuff like that. So with cars going crazy right now, I was like, it's about that time. So they they actually bought me out of my lease, actually cut me a check on top of that. Really? Yeah. So you made money off this deal. I made money. How on the it. hell does that work in today's day and age? What I owed on it, was it was worth less than what I I know, but usually, usually people lose money on the lease, you know, because they go over their mileage mm-hmm. or whatever. And that was one of the big reasons why I wanted to get rid and of you it. You come out on top. Yep, that's just your luck. <laughs> so now, I got a 2017 Ford Fusion. Wait a minute. <laughs> Wait a minute. You're telling me you go from driving an F one fifty sharp ass truck, man shit, to a Ford Fusion? I did. I did. You want to know what the good thing is about it? <laughs> I don't have a car payment Ford now. Ford Fusion. I don't have a car payment now. Okay, I know. I'm just, you know, I'm just. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. You know, I'm just busting your balls. But that, I mean, that is kind of weird to me. You it, said you love this truck. It's weird to me. And then you go to a Ford. You, I mean, you could at least said, you know, I drove down here in a fucking 5.0 fucking Mustang <laughs> GT. No, we're driving a fucking Ford Fusion hatchback. It ain't no hatchback. Is it a four door? It's four door. Yeah. Is your wife pregnant? <laughs> no, she ain't pregnant. She ain't pregnant. I'm just trying to. But I tell you what, we got this. all the factors here. Why we're we going down to a little car? Hey, that wedding's coming up next year, pretty soon. We've been playing for you know different stuff with that. You know how that goes. And let me tell you something. Not having that car payment's nice. Well, I bet it's nice. Now, you recently, I think you told us on the last pod, you guys bought a house together. Mm-hmm. How's that going? It's good. It's good. It's a little bit small at points. It's a little bit, a little bit small, but for two people though, for two people, it's not bad. It's right? not, and it still gets a little small. But you know, living with a woman, it, things get small pretty quick. It's been so long since you've been on. Now remind me, did we talk about you putting in a bidet the last time you were? We on did. Here? Okay. Let me tell you something. Is that Clay? Thing still working? Oh my goodness gracious! My butt has never been cleaner. Now, I, tell you, I tell you what. Now with my hemorrhoid problems here in the past. I might need to put one in, so I might need some pointers after this pod. I'm telling you, once you do it, 
your butt will never feel clean again just regular wiping. You go to someone else's house and they ain't got no bidet and you're just wiping with regular toilet paper. You don't feel right. Nope. I'm telling you, you don't feel good. Now, do you now do you dab it with toilet paper after? Yeah, you got you got to do that. You either do a little shimmy, something like that. Like the girls do. Yeah, yeah. Something like that. Or you take a little toilet paper and you just dab it, get it, get it nice and dry, and then you're good to go. You feel like you just took a shower. That's how clean you feel. After the bidet. After the bidet. Now, is there any, like, poop particles? Like, that thing that thing splashes up on your butthole so fast. What if you're, like, caked with shit? Does it splash all over, like, your, your no. bottom end, like your cheeks? No. No. I Now, Clay, I, I think, especially the people that have been on this podcast, know what kind of shit you usually take. Yeah. And they can get a little bit crazy at yeah. points. Yeah. So, I can't speak on your behalf, but for me, I've never had that problem. I might have to try it out. I'm, I might need you to send me the Amazon link. I, I will. I will. What you, they run? So I bought this last Black Friday. Is it the dude bidet? No, it's not that one. I thought you had the dude. I ain't got the dude one. Let's, speaking of dudes. Okay. <laughs> I was walking through uh, Kroger the other day, and I, I've never purchased, purchased them before in my life. They were on the shelf. They were on sale. Got me a pack of dude wipes. Okay. <laughs> $3.99. How you like them? Haven't used them. Really? Saving them for a special occasion? <laughs> yeah, because I got dollar store ones I'm trying to use up because I'm a cheap ass. <laughs> so you're saving them for a special occasion? Well, as soon as I run out. Yeah. I don't want to waste the ones I've already bought. They work fine. But yeah. I mean, I'm going from like a buck fifty for 50 wipes to $3.99 for 50 wipes. So these dude wipes better blow me out of this fucking chair when I wipe my ass. Now, let me ask you something. Have you ever had a problem with your plumbing using them wet wipes? I bag them. <laughs> so, hold on, hold on. I bag them. <laughs> you put your poop wipes... <laughs> you put your, uh, your yeah. poop wipes yep. in the trash can next to you. <sighs> Yeah. <laughs> you ever been to Doris Lake? You've been to Doris Lake with us. It's yeah. the same thing. You can't flush them there. So what's the difference if you're at home? Now, one thing I don't, the problem that I don't want to have is my whole plumbing get backed up because I'm flushing yeah. wipes. Mm-hmm. So why not bag them? There's no, I mean, it's just me and my wife. My bathroom's downstairs. Hers is upstairs. So if I want to bag my shit wipes, that's fine. <laughs> There's no rules that say I can't bag my shit wipes. So have you ever done that and then got up in the middle of the night to pee or whatever and you walk in there and it you're like, what in God's name is that smell? Now, now you know what? What? That's I thought that would happen, but it never has. Really? I'm telling you, you got to buy the certain ones that got the scent protector on them. <laughs> For that reason. What scent protector do they got? What what does it smell they, like? They, lavender they, or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah I think it so is So then lavender. your butthole smells like lavender all day long. Smooth. <laughs> Feels Fair good. Enough. Fair enough. Where were we going? I don't know. Why? I don't know. Where, what did I say before I got all this dude wipes? You remember? I don't. Oh, <laughs> fuck. You said speaking of dudes. Yeah. Oh, I forget nah, where I we were nothing. going. But anyway, <laughs> little birdie told me, since the last time you've been on, you may or may not have got a new job. That would be correct. I did get a new job. You want to talk about it? Yeah. Because yeah. I haven't, I haven't really dug deep into this yet. I mean, you told me you got a new job. Uh, I guess I gave away the birdie. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, 
You told me you got a new job, but I didn't ask many questions. Yeah. Because I wanted to hear it on here. Gotcha. So tell me about your new job. So new job is pretty, it's pretty legit. Okay. Uh, I'm loving it so far. Um, it's in the sporting in sporting in uh, sports industry. And you didn't go to college for that. I correct? did not go to college for that. Okay. No, I, uh, this kind of foreshadows what we'll talk about earlier, but I went to college for criminal justice. Yeah. You mean later? We'll what? talk about later. Yeah. That, is that what I said? You said earlier. Anyway. It's okay. <laughs> it's the same thing. It's foreshadowing for a later conversation. It's same thing. It's all the same. Anyway, yes, did not go to college for that. Um, but when I was at my previous job, had the opportunity to um, kind of meet a couple people that got me involved in this new field, and it's been going great. Um, I know we've talked about multiple times kind of our love for sports, each and every one of us. So oh, yeah. having kind of a career that that's what my job is based on is uh, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. So are you going to tell me what your job is or what? So I am the I am the business development manager for the Dayton Dragons. Business development manager for the Dayton Dragons. That is now, correct. Explain to the people who the hell are the Dayton Dragons. So for the people that don't know, the Dayton Dragons are the low A affiliate of the Cincinnati Reds. So it is a, a professional baseball team um, based obviously in Dayton, Ohio. Um, they've been there since 2000, year 2000. And uh, yeah, they've been, they've had quite the following since. Now, who are some of the well-known players that have came from the Dayton Dragons? So you got I, I was actually surprised when I started. There's a lot of people who I kind of grew up with my buddies going to Reds games and watching Reds on the TV and stuff, they actually started at the Dragons. So some of your older ones are going to be Adam Dunn. You obviously have heard oh, of him. Heavy hitter. Hell yeah. Joey Votto, who another heavy hitter. Reds all-time great. Yep. Um, Tucker Barnhart, catcher. Great catcher. Um, he just got traded, I believe. Yep. Um, and actually, a fun fact, Ken Griffey Sr. was a hitting coach for the Dayton Dragons. Okay. So I didn't know that. Yeah. So um, some of the current ones are kind of Jesse Winker is one. Billy Hamilton was one. Um, Joey Votto was with the Reds. I already said that. Um, just kind of just, yeah. So, the, yeah, you named a lot of good players there. Hunter, Hunter Green, who's with the Louisville Bats, who's the AAA affiliate of the Reds. He started at the Dragons. Um, uh, Jose Siri, who plays for the Astros now, who's just in the World Series. He started out as the, as the Dragons. So, yeah, a lot of big names that came out of the Dragons. Correct me if I'm wrong. Okay. Did I hear earlier business development manager? Doesn't that sound good, Clay? Doesn't that sound good, Rolski? Manager? Manager. How the hell did you land? Hey, manager. <laughs> okay. <laughs> manager Otis. Mm -hmm. How the hell did you land that gig? I, With no like schooling in like sports management or anything, no degree, no nothing, you become a manager a business development manager at the Dayton Dragons. So it was one of those things where I had emailed the VP who I had talked to at games and stuff like that. And um, he had told me about the opening and I went in and interviewed for it. And it was one of those things where I didn't, I, I knew I didn't have the, you know, the fancy the, resume. The yeah, I knew I didn't have the credentials. So I just, been, I just went in there and I was like, look, I'm not here to, you know, sugarcoat anything. I've never been in this arena before. I grew up with sports all my life. I'm a hard worker, you know, all that good stuff. And 
he liked me and it just stuck. So worked out. It was that easy. I mean, there was more in, there was a lot, it was like an hour interview. It was a pretty intense interview, but it worked out. They, uh, they interviewed, I think two other people after me. So it was like a week before I heard, but then they, uh, they called me and said, yeah, you got the job. So, so what do you do? So in the off season, it's a lot of, um, going out and meeting with, uh, CEOs of businesses and stuff in the area. Um, I have a certain territory that I use. Um, I go out and meet, talk to uh, business owners who, whether they want to do season tickets, whether they want to do um, maybe interested in doing partnerships or sponsorships, maybe they're interested in doing leases of like suites. We got the luxury suites and stuff like that. So if they want to lease those for however many games of the season and all that good stuff. So a lot of kind of different things going on. And then when the season does roll around, you kind of move to doing um, game related stuff. So you're doing like game day stuff. You're making sure everybody's good with their tickets. You're making sure all the people that you did sell tickets to are making good sure to go. The, making sure the guys in there grilling the hot dogs or fucking grills are there all right. There you go. There you go. Make sure they got propane every yep. day. Yep. Making, making sure. sure the beer's cold. Yep. Making sure we got enough for the game. Making sure the kegs are good. Making sure when Rolski comes to a game this summer, I'm gonna be he's sitting happy. in the suite. He's happy with some ice cold bush light. I'm going to be sitting in the suite. Can the sip and serve get a suite? Yeah. For free. I don't know about for free. <laughs> <laughs> but you're the manager. I am the manager, but I also have a boss. So now let me ask he you probably this. would not like that. So if you go to a game like that, most of these teams in the outfield, they've got like sponsorships. Is, is, there, is there sponsors on the wall out there? No. So that's how the Dragons are kind of different. It's okay. a little bit more, uh, we kind of choose who does the sponsorships a little bit more in depth. You know, you're not going to go out there and see 500 different logos on the outfield wall. So and you're stuff like, like that. You're going, you might see six or seven around the ballpark. Like yeah. The big dogs. Yeah. You're going to see the big dogs. So um, one of the big ones, Kettering Health Network, Reynolds and Reynolds, some of your multi million dollar companies are going to be the big dogs. So, so the sip, <laughs> if you're trying to get at the sip and serve, getting their, getting their logo on the outfield wall. Might might be a year or two away from that. They're going to sell a lot of sweatshirts. Yeah. <laughs> Tame it down a bit, Rolski. Tame it down a bit. No, but let's get into the mean potatoes, dude. For real. Let's I mean, the main the main reason you're here tonight. I mean, the topics that we want to talk about is not your noon job. Congratulations on it, by the way. But we're not here to talk about that. Okay. We're here to talk about your previous job. Yep. And what did you used to do? So, uh, it's been about three, four months now, maybe a little bit less than that, but I was a deputy sheriff here in the state of Ohio. Okay. And still currently a reserve deputy in the state of Ohio. So still technically a deputy in the state of Ohio. So basically about a year ago, I got a hold of you and I said, Hey man, I would love for you to come on. I want you to tell me everything the ins and outs of a police officer. Yep. And you're like, man, you know what? As much as I would love to, I just don't think I can. And, yep. I'm, uh, and I was like, man, you know what? I respect that. Yep. Maybe one day you can come on and we can talk about it. And you said, oh, 100%. Well, that day is today. That day has come. That day is today. First things first. You messed up the first time. So we're going to do <laughs> rock and fire again. Okay. All right. Now, this is going to be a little different. For those of you don't, that don't know what Rock and Fire is, Rock and Fire is, I'm going to ask Otis a series of questions, five questions. 
I'm going to read them off as fast as I can. He's going to answer them as fast as he can. The first time Otis did this, he was the slowest rock and fire <laughs> contestant ever. So we're going to try this again, but there's a little kicker on this one. This is rock and fire, but as a cop, did you ever? Okay. I got you. As a cop, did you ever? I got you. Rock and fire. You know, DG, I think, comes in his pants every time we play that. He loves it. He loves that. <laughs> That's his favorite drop of the podcast. Anyways, as a cop, did you ever? Are you ready? Hang on here. Let me get get ready get this get time because last time you embarrassed yourself. Let me get situated here. By All the right. way, I forgot to tell you. Okay. These are yes or no answers. Okay. That makes it that easy. That makes it easy. That makes it easy. I took it easy on you, but yeah. afterwards, we're going to dig deeper. All right. Okay. That works. Yes or no answer. Okay. As a cop, did you ever eat? Donuts while on duty. Yes. Come across any dirty cops? No. Feel like you were on an episode of Cops? Yes. Turn your lights on for fun? Yes. Get a free meal? Yes. Okay. A lot of yeses there. Yeah. Okay. Let's go back to the first one. Donuts while on duty. That's just a must. If you don't have a donut and you're in law enforcement, you need to give up your badge. That's for sure. Now... With that being said, it is a little less frequent than you might think. So, yes, donuts were definitely eaten. Let's put it that way. Now, we're not going to go over where you worked at, but like your fellow officers in the mm-hmm. same department, mm-hmm. did they all eat donuts too? Yeah. Yeah. So, so um, what it, kind of, I just want to get straight to it. I'm sorry for interrupting. What is it with cops and donuts? What is it? So, number one, donuts are delicious. I don't care who you are. Oh, number I agree. two, um, at least for me, donut shops, um, I worked specifically mostly midnights, actually 100% midnights. And so your donut shops are going to be the ones that are open extremely early. They're going to be open at 5 o'clock in the morning. Maybe early. Maybe earlier than that yeah. because th- they're one of the first kind of establishments that open up during the day. So um, that's kind of one of the big ones, at least for me and my experience that had something to do with it. Kind of funny story about donuts was when you're going through your training and stuff like that, when you're on FTO and you're starting to get out on the road and, you know, do your thing, you have an FTO officer. He's kind of your more experienced dude that's riding in the car with you, telling you kind of what to do, when to do it, all that good stuff, teaching you the ropes on your first couple of days. If you're in the car and you're talking over the radio and you mess something up, whether it be, you know, reading a license plate or whatever it is, if you mess something up over over the radio and stutter or it's not smooth or someone can't understand you, you have to go buy donuts that mornings for or that night for everybody. Huh. So that is interesting. Yeah, that's a fun little fact. Fun little fact. Okay. Next one. Come across any dirty cops. Yes, I no, you, I did you not. said no. Yeah, but can you admit there are some dirty cops out there in the field? L- let's clarify first. What do you classify as a dirty cop? Do you classify someone who is doing the wrong thing? Do you ca- what do you kind of classify as a dirty cop? Oh shit, I don't know. This is a question DG sent in. <laughs> <laughs> so like a, a dirty cop, I would say is something um, like if someone who's kind of they planted you, they planted drugs okay. in a. In a uh, they pulled me over and they planted drugs in my trunk. Okay. No, I did not ever see that. Or, or which we're going to get into later, so I'm not going to say a whole lot here. Mm-hmm. Someone that was bribed. Okay. 
I'm with you. Yeah, no, I never um, came across that. You do have some um, officers who started their career, you know, in a different time frame than what we are in now. Obviously, you know, police is a whole different ball game than it was. It's a whole different ball game now than it was even five years you know, ago, five, 10, 20, 30 years ago. Yeah. And I worked with a lot of guys who guys and girls who started their career, you know, 30 years ago. A lot of vets. Yeah. So they um, they kind of had a different way that they learned to do things and kind of did things on a regular basis that might be looked at as a little bit frowned upon now. But in the sense that they're dirty. No, I didn't. I got lucky and got uh, put with a, a very good department. So good. Good. Glad to hear that. Feel like you were on an episode of Cops. No, every night, <laughs> really? every night. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, so it's that wild out there. Uh, it, where I work specifically, it was, and I don't want to sound arrogant or anything like that. Where I, where I worked, it was it was rough. It was rough. Let's just say yeah. that it was it was rough. There was you know multiple foot chases where you know once you start kind of start getting experience with it and stuff like that, you hear the the cops music in the background as you're chasing down the bad guy, you know, you're just running and you hear that cop music in the background. Yeah. It was, it was pretty much every night there was something going on that you had seen on an episode of cops. Very interesting. <laughs> yeah. Turn your lights on for fun. Now this is one of my favorite questions of the whole freaking episode I got for you here. Turn your lights on for fun. Kind of like, a what's the, what's the movie? Super bad. Okay. When they when they run around town with the lights on all mm-hmm. night and start shooting their guns, drinking, whatever. But <laughs> I know you didn't do all that, but you turn your lights on for fun. I mean, who wouldn't do that? Now, are you just cruising down the road? Uh, anywhere. So there was some times when you Yeah. When you <laughs> when you'd uh there was a couple times when you'd roll up to, you know, somebody you might know in the community, whether it be someone you've worked with in the past, not necessarily law enforcement, just um, you know, someone you've met so in the let's community. So let's just say you've seen me stopping at the post office yeah and i knew you i would roll up like behind you and you didn't see me and i'd flick my lights at you and flick my horn a little bit and mess with you and make okay. you make you think you're in trouble for a second but you know just goofing with you good deal get a free meal yes so our policy that we had to do was if a free meal were to happen you had to do everything you could to decline the free meal but i mean kind of as we all know that can come off as rude sometimes you know, someone's, you know, kind of wanting to pay for your meal and you say, no, 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 no. Um, so what you would do is actually happen in Chipotle a lot is because you're in that big long line. So you get your food and then, you know, they're checking you out and stuff. And the person behind you will be like, I got I got his meal. That would happen constantly. And you don't want to be the rude guy. Be like, no, 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 no. So you would then just stay there kind of at the cash register and you would buy the next person's food in line. Sometimes there was no other people, so it kind of just happened that you got the free mail. But yeah, that's kind of how you you had to kind of take some steps to not get the free meal, if that makes sense. Yeah, that, that does make sense. You ready to get into it now? Let's get into it, Roski. Right. Let's get into it. I took it easy on you there. Yeah. I Rock and fire, that. yes or no. I mean, that's that's the easiest we've ever had. Uh-huh. But these next few questions, actually the next 30 or 40 questions aren't going to be so easy. Okay. Because I've got a whole list of them here for you because I want to know everything. Okay. The nuts and bolts of the police work. Okay. What made you join the force? So let me preface this whole podcast with, I think talking about this, I would be doing a little bit of a disservice if I sugarcoated things. 
So if there's a question that kind of comes up, I'll probably be kind of just blatantly, you know, honest about it, blatantly just open about it. And I want to preface it with if I offend anybody out there on the Sip and Serve podcast, I apologize. It's not meant like that at all. But anybody out there who's trying to get into the law enforcement field, I feel like I would be doing a disservice to them not being open and honest about my personal experience. Right. I think I think this is a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So your question. What made you want to join the force? My entire life. So growing up, like I just mentioned a couple minutes ago, it was sports. And then also I loved the idea of law enforcement. And so when I first started actually in college, I was actually starting in athletic training. That was my first my first major when I first went in there. And then I actually changed that to uh, criminal justice a year down the road just because I wanted the whole cliche answer is I wanted to be, I wanted to help people. I wanted to be, you know, I heard a, uh, a, a quote from someone early in my career that you are going to be the person that people remember or that people think of when they think of their worst day in their life. So most of these people that you're dealing with, it's not just another day to them. It's the day that was the worst thing in their life. So whether it be, they were robbed, whether it be they were raped, whether it be whatever it was, you're the person that they're going to think about when it comes to that. So I wanted to be that kind of glimmer of light, as cliche as that sounds, to them when they think about that crappy experience. Okay. So That's a great answer. And here's a little fun fact for everybody oh, out there. Oh. Here's a fun fact. I, myself, actually went to college for law enforcement as well. You did. I and remember that. I, myself, actually have a degree in law enforcement. You're pretty but, much an expert, but I do know a lot about it, hey. but I never had the experience. Like I was never a cop or anything, mm-hmm. but I wanted to be Will Smith and Martin Lawrence. Oh, who wouldn't be like the bad boys? Who wouldn't be? Absolutely. Who didn't want to be a cop that could dress in street clothes and mm-hmm. just have the badge and the gun? But that's not, that's not, no. that's not it. <laughs> <laughs> and I learned that right off the rip. I'm like, this, that, this ain't it. Now you do have, I would say probably a majority of departments out there have a, department inside their entire operation that that is people's jobs whether it be detective undercover whether you're working homicide drugs sexual assault cases stuff like that um that is a job for a lot of people and that's also what i wanted to go in towards when i got in as well but we're talking you know 10 plus years experience to get in things like that right even more even even more yeah and you got to because that, just like me and you wanted to get into it, probably 90% of everybody right. else wanted to get into it too. So it's very competitive, very, um, a lot of people want to get into that field and you really, really have to be committed to everything it comes with to to do that. Okay. So. so let's get into the academy here. Once you get into- Starting from the beginning, I like it. Starting from, oh yeah, dude. I like I, it. I, I mean, come on. I like it. <laughs> you going to sell Rolski short here or what? <laughs> no, no. Did you have to pass a written test before entering the academy? Before you got in? Or was that during the academy? So, no. The written test- Is that the, the last part? Yes. The okay. official written test was, you had to do a written test and a physical test. Okay. To, t- tell me all about that. Okay. So the physical test, you had to do OPADA certification. So OPADA means Ohio Peace Officer Training Academy, I think. I think that's what it stands for. So it's basically they have their standards when it comes to 
every single thing that you do in the academy that you have to pass. So the final kind of test that you have to pass to actually become a certified peace officer is a physical test and also a written test. With the physical test, you have to run a mile and a half in 11 minutes and 58 seconds for my age group. As you get older, the times kind of vary a little bit. So, yeah, I had to run a mile and a half in 11 minutes and 58 seconds. I had to do 40 sit, 40 push-ups in 36. Again, if I'm off a couple on this, don't quote me on it, but it's roughly about 36, 37, 38 sit-ups and 40 push-ups. That was the physical part of it. And how much time? You had a minute without stopping. Okay, so a minute to do 40 push-ups? Correct. Okay. You had to do a minute and 40 seconds, but if you like, if you stop for a second, you couldn't let yourself down and take a rest. Okay. You had to like stop, but you had to stop in like the up position. Um, the sit-up, you had to stop in the up position, but you had to kind of no more than like take a breath and then keep going. Now, so. from, from uh, like friends and stuff, I've heard that the physical fitness part of this is like the downfall for a lot of people. They might be book smart. Like they can just ace the test and it ain't nothing, but mm-hmm. they, they can't get the sit-ups or the push-ups. It kind of goes either way because um, I know a lot of guys who were really book smart, like you said, were book smart. They were a great student and something like that, but they couldn't pass um, you know, the run. A lot of people could not pass the run. I feel like I feel like the run would be the easiest part. It's at, so again, it's all in one, it's all in one kind of morning that you do it. So it's in a span of just a couple hours. Okay. So you're doing your pushups and sit-ups first. So you do those and then you go run. So with that being said, some people, whether it be nerves, whether it be whatever it is, they knock out their sit-ups and push-ups and then they kind of lackadaisical take the run and it ends up biting them. So I saw it that way. Um, and then other people would, they would kill the physical stuff and then they wouldn't come even close to passing the written test. Yeah. So the written test was probably the hardest test I've ever taken in my academic career test wise. So now what did you have to have to pass the test? I, for some reason, 88% is popping in my head. 88 out of a hundred. You had to I'd, pass it like that again. Gee, many Christmas. Not hundred percent sure. A B plus <laughs> in school. Yeah, it, it was it, I don't know if it was 88. I was going to say like 74 to pass. It, it was something you had to get pretty pretty good at. Okay. Uh, um, 88 might have been my I, score on it. I remember you telling me back when you were in the academy, like I'd want to hang out like on weekends and stuff. You're like, no, I got to study. Yeah, it was uh, that written test was probably the hardest test I've ever taken in my academic career. And I have a bachelor's degree. So I took, you know, some pretty solidly style classes yeah yeah. hard courses and stuff in college and it was by far my hardest thing and you know i i didn't want to be one of those guys that you know made it that far in the academy and then didn't pass at the end so so let's say you pass your physical you pass your test Mm -hmm. did you have to qualify in like shooting or anything before you left the academy yeah so kind of as you go through the academy you have different stages or different topics that you're studying or being trained on and as you go through the academy you have to pass those as you go so at any point in the academy if you fail like it was in the middle of the academy that we had the shooting part of the academy if you fail that you're done so you can get dropped 
halfway through or three quarters of the way so through. So if you whatever. can't shoot, there's just no chance in hell for you to pass the academy. Probably not. No, you got to. Yeah. When you're on the range and you're shooting, um, you're you're on the range for a, a whole week. And I think we had close to a thousand to twelve hundred rounds total that we shot that whole week. And if you yeah, if you couldn't qualify, if you couldn't pass that test that they had of hitting certain targets and all that good stuff in a certain time frame. Yeah, you were done. Now, were you training with all kind of different weapons like pistols, shotguns, ARs? So we got we got trained with um, handguns and shotguns. When, once I became a deputy and was actually in a job and all that, I did cer- I did um, certify with an AR after that. So I was able to use um, an AR. I was able to use a shotgun. I was able to use a handgun. That was it. Is it true you have to get pepper sprayed and tased in the academy? Oh, yes, Clay. It is true. And let me tell you something. It sucks. Tell me all about the experience. I want to hear it right here, right now. It So uh, I get this question a, from a lot of people about telling me how it was to get pepper sprayed, telling me how it was to get tased. It is so hard to explain because it's it's a feeling you've never felt in your entire life. And so you can't, I can't equivalent it to something. So pepper spray by far was the worst experience of my entire life. I'm not trying to be dramatic or anything like that. It was the worst experience of my entire life. It burned. Okay. A couple weeks ago, you guys ate that Pocky chip, one chip challenge thing. Yeah. The chip. Think of that feeling all over your body. So, so they spray it in your eyes and it just goes. So, yeah. So you, you sit there with your, with your eyes closed and you're supposed to open them. You try to open them and it just, it's, that's it. You're done. Yeah. So it actually, it's, it's such an, it's such an excruciating pain that you, it, it literally tricks your brain and you seriously think something is wrong with you. You know, it's not like a, oh, this is just pepper spray. Yeah, it hurts. It sucks, but I'm going to be okay. It, it literally tricks your brain into thinking that you're on fire or something like that. It, it, it brings a, an amount of terror to yourself that kind of intensifies it a little bit. So you have to deal with that along with the pain that you're in. And so when we got pepper sprayed, you stand there and you just kind of, you take the stream in your face and then you have to do a variety of different techniques, maneuvers, training kind of things so that you're able to do that on the job. If you ever get pepper sprayed and you still have to, you know, put someone in handcuffs or, um, you know, if somebody's got a weapon on you or whatever it is, you have to kind of still handle that, even though you're feels like you're about to die. That's kind of how I would explain pepper spray. It is. You don't want to do it. Don't do it with being tased. I would say it is the worst five seconds of your life, okay. five to 10 seconds. So think of standing there and looking away from somebody. This was my experience. Think of standing there and looking away. And then at a random time, somebody comes up behind you and pushes you in the back as hard as they can. And at the same time, somebody pushes you in the back as hard as they can. Every muscle in your body completely locked. So you're standing there and you want you're like your mind's telling you, hey, move this muscle, move this muscle. But you can't. And it's just your entire body is completely think of you play basketball, obviously. Yeah. Did you ever get cramps? Yeah. Think of that in every single muscle in your body at the exact same time, and then some. And then you just fall over. Yeah, so you have to have somebody standing there holding you because you can't 
you can't move. You don't have any sense of balance, so you just so, fall right over. So like the the videos and shit you see on cops and YouTube of people getting tased, it's true that they just lock up and they fall on their face. Oh, it's it's all over. Yeah, absolutely. And it's 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 going to sound bad to say it's it's kind of entertaining to watch at some points because if you get a good um, if you get a good contact when you're tasing somebody, they have no hope because what they say you're supposed to do is split the hemispheres. So basically your waist, you want to split the hemispheres. So when you tase somebody in your taser, you have two prongs that yeah. come out, two metal prongs. You want one of those prongs to land in like your upper middle back area, that muscle, big muscle group. And then you want the other one to land in like the thigh butt area because then the electrical current that goes from one of the probes to the other travels the entire body. So it essentially you're you're paralyzed from the from head to toe. You're paralyzed. You cannot do anything. So when you see people that just fall straight over, that's real. Yeah. Oh, shit. It's absolutely real. Th- there was a, we actually had um, one of my buddies got taste one year at the fair. <laughs> did he? Who? I ain't gonna mention no names. <laughs> you have to tell me after he this. Fell over like a bag of bricks. Yep. It's it's real. It's real. Um, they actually uh, there's certain times when we are are and are not allowed to tase people because of that. So if somebody's like on an elevated surface, yeah, you're not allowed to tase them. If somebody's in water with it being electrical, you're not allowed to tase them. All that good stuff. So. Yeah, it's it's not good, Claybird. It's not okay. good. Okay. Next question. So you're now graduated from the academy. What'd you do now? So after graduating the academy is kind of when the it's kind of when the pressure starts a little bit because after you graduate the academy, you have a certain time frame that you have to get a job. Because if really? you, yeah, because if you don't get a job in that time frame, you have to redo the academy over again. So you have one I believe it's a year, maybe two, to you have to get a job, basically to hold your commission. So that's kind of when the pressure starts of literally sending in applications everywhere you can. So that was, that was what I started to do um, at that point after I graduated was just apply. And I had already started applying to jobs throughout the academy because the people hiring you, the police departments, they know kind of the what's the deal. Like if you're in the academy, that's that's great. So yeah, I, I that that's when kind of the pressure started though. True or false, the interview process Ugh. is a bitch. Times two. It's, true. Yes, Times two. True. true. Yes. True, and then some. It is. It was the most stressful time of my entire life. Take me through that interview process. So, kind of on average, you would probably you're you're going in, saying you're there for the interview, dressed in your suit and tie, you know, dressed to impress all that good stuff. Um, you've got your resume with you. You've got your, you know, all your extra paperwork. You're nervous as anything. You're just super nervous. And then the first couple times you do it, you go in for just a kind of preliminary interview, basically to make sure you're not a complete moron. So I never, again, not to sound arrogant. I never had problem with that step. Um, then you would go into after that step, you would go into getting signed up for a polygraph test. Oh shit, I've heard about these. Yep. Now, now how was it? It's it's literally the most freaky thing in your entire life. It's 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 crazy how so it kind of mess, messes with your psyche. Basically, it's just a lie detector test. Yeah. Kinda. Yep. That's it, what it, I mean. Exactly how you see it in the movie. Yeah. Is exactly how it is. Um, now what 
weird question here, but just came to mind. Okay. <laughs> what was the weirdest question they asked you? They would ask, I got asked if I ever had sex with any stuffed animals. <laughs> that was a question. Uh, got asked if, uh, if you ever, it, literally everything you can think of. If you've ever done anything with children, if you've ever done anything with old people, if you've ever. Now, what do they care if you fucked an 80 year old woman? You're allowed to. That's kind of what goes into it as to what kind of character you are, basically. Well, what um, if you thought she was attractive? Eh, well, I assholes. So basically, there's two different kind of polygraphs that you kind of dealt with. You had a CVSA. A, you had a CVSA. I think that's what it stood for. But it was basically a voice analyzer. So they would hook a microphone up to your what? Are you shitting me? Yeah, they would. So basically, they would have a computer. Can tell if you're like stuttering or anything. Not stuttering. It's an it's an involuntary. I guess, inflection in your voice when you're lying that the computer reads. Shit's wild. Now, I have my own personal opinion about this based on my kind of experience with them. Yeah. But that's kind of one of the tests that they would give you was a a CVSA. I think that's kind of messed up. So the reason I didn't like it is because I know for sure that it's not accurate 100% because there was a couple questions that I asked. And at the time there was no earthly way that what it was saying was accurate. So one of the questions they asked was, have you ever committed fraud or have you ever committed, um, have you ever filed a false insurance claim? So at that time I was still on my parents' insurance. Yeah. I was still covered under my parents' insurance. So obviously when they asked me, have you ever filed a false insurance claim? I was like, no, and that you can only say yes or no. You can't explain why you're hooked up to the test. Yeah. Yeah. Just yes or no. So I said no. They came back after reading the graphs and stuff like that. And they were like, so it shows that you showed a little bit of weird kind of whatever the word they used. The scratches. Yeah. No. So on the <laughs> on the, on the voice thing, they didn't use the scratches, but they it shows that you had a little bit of weird um attitude towards the question of um, have Fraud. you ever filed a false insurance claim? Yeah. And I was like, I don't, I don't know why, because not only am I still on my parents' insurance, I've never filed an insurance claim in general. So let alone a false one. So they were basically saying like, I, I was kind of lying about it, but at that point I had never filed a false insurance claim to begin with anyway. So that, that's kind of my opinion on it. It, it was kind of very weird because it's literally no different than us talking in this mic right here. And then at the end, they basically say, hey, it's showing that you lied about this, this, and this. Do you want to explain it? So True or false, do they contact your friends or like previous teachers or previous employers and ask them about you? Yes. Do yep. they visit their house? Yes. So your 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 uh, department that you worked for could mm-hmm. have came and knocked on the Sip and Serve podcast studio. Absolutely. Yeah. If I, if I were to go through the process now of getting hired and in my application had put down, you know, mentioned the sip and serve podcast in any way, hobbies, whatever it is. Um, they would have most likely contacted you via phone and said, Hey, can we set something up? And, and I would have said, if you want to talk, you're going to be recorded on the podcast. You <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah. So that was, yeah, absolutely. There was a lot of different people that they came and visited when okay. I was going through so the interview. Process. Is that for like a background check? Yeah. Because uh, we have a buddy that had to get like some kind of government clearance. I've had the FBI at my house. 
because he oh, needed to get to. <laughs> he needed to get the highest rating, and I was one of his references. Yep. I remember sitting on the porch talking to this dude, and I was like shaking. Yep. Because they would just ask a bunch of stupid questions like that, like, "Has your friend uh, ever been overseas, or have any enemies overseas?" Or yep. Just it's questions like that. Any Jeez. terroristic acts yeah. or anything like that? Yeah. Well, the the person you drive to work with, they uh, they actually came to his house here in Frankfurt. So that's uh, wild. Yeah. They made the they made the trip for sure. Okay, well, I tell you what, though, I wish that guy would have knocked on my door because I would have had that. I would have had a hell of a conversation with that guy. You'd have hooked him up to the, um, to the sip and serve mics. And so you want me? <laughs> come down the steps, boy. <laughs> coming to coming to my arena. So you're in. Let's just say you're in full full uniform now. Okay. As a kid. So this is after I've got hired yep. and everything like that. You're let's just about, say okay. you got hired to the department. Yep. You're in full uniform every day. Yep. As a kid, I like to compare like. Uh, Batman was my favorite superhero, mm-hmm. and I compared his utility belt mm-hmm. to a police officer's utility belt. Mm-hmm. Tell me what was on your belt. What kind of equipment did you carry with you every day? So it, you kind of had the choice of what you wanted to carry. Different people carried different things for what they wanted. You know what I'm. You know where I'm coming from, though. Like if you see oh, a cop, absolutely every day. Like say they're uh, getting lunch at Burger King. Yep. And you walk in, you're sitting in Milan. I'm looking at his belt, mm-hmm. and he's got all kind of pouches. Yep. And everything. So it's it's funny because when I wear my belt still now because I'm reserve every once in a while, uh, but mostly when I was full time, you know, you'd go in to get something to eat or you'd be in a. Uh, just a kind of a public place and a little kid walks in and and that was kind of one of the best feelings I got as a cop was seeing those little kids walk in and they're asking they're pointing stuff on your belt they're like you got handcuffs you got a gun you got a stick on there like you got a bunch of stuff and I can I can kind of take myself back to when I was a kid like you just said yeah. walking into those public places and you're you're looking at their belt thinking man that's the coolest thing in the world but yeah, to answer your question, um, different deputies, different cops have different things for what they kind of want and what they are tailored to. What'd you carry? So obviously I had my gun, had a, do you want me to tell you where on my belt I had it? I mean, sure. Hell with it. <laughs> so I had my gun, obviously on my right hip. Right hip. I had a pair of handcuffs right here on my thigh, on my right thigh, right thigh. That way I could get to it with both hands. Yeah. Accessible with both hands. On my left hip, I had my mags. Right behind my mags, I had my taser. How many mags did you carry? Just two. So I so had, you had one loaded. I had one in my gun. Yep. And then two in my holster. Okay. Um, then I had my taser right behind my mags. And then on my left hip, or actually a little bit behind my left hip, on I had your buttocks. Kind of hip buttocks area. Yep. Had my flashlight. And then behind that, had another set of handcuffs just in case I had a, whether it be a, a big buff person, a larger weighted individual. Yeah. Um, and then behind, and then right in the middle of my back, I had my glove case that had, um, that had uh, rubber gloves in it and stuff like that. So if I was searching somebody, I could just whip some out. So you didn't them. carry a baton. So, and then on the right, right behind my Buttocks. gun. Yeah. Right behind my gun. Um, and in between my gloves on my right butt cheek was my was my baton. Uh, I mean, that baton looks like a stick. Yeah. I mean, what are those things made out of? And like, how do they metal. work? Metal. And it's just, it's just like a metal rod. So it's like a collapsible metal 
stick pretty much. Yeah. It's um, think of like, do you remember when we were kids, those plastic like lightsabers that you could flick out and yeah. it would flick out? Think of that, but made of metal. Okay. So, and you can just whack the fuck out of somebody dude, if you need to. I've seen people, rightfully so, I've seen deputies take that metal stick and be hitting somebody so hard with it that it ends up being bent. It looks like it, it looks like a comma. It's just it's literally bent. So you're you're just think you're hitting someone with a metal stick so hard that you end up bending it. Shit. So that'd break me in half. And kind of a fun fact for you, Claybird. I like fun facts. With the with those batons, where would you think you'd want to hit somebody with it? With your baton, like where on the baton? Where you where would you want to hit them? I mean, I'd probably say the top. Six inches. Look at you. You're an expert. You're an expert. <laughs> I, told, I told you I know a lot, bud. <laughs> yeah. So um, a lot of people think it's like a baseball bat and you want to hit it like right on the sweet spot. Yeah. But no, you want to use like that top five, six inches. Oh, and that's man. where you do How your about most. about that, Corey with the K? That's where you do your it's most major. damage. Yep. Now, everybody's interested in the guns, you know, the cops carry and stuff. Mm-hmm. You told me this before, but the people out there don't know this. Mm-hmm. You can carry... One of your personal weapons, correct? Yeah, my, absolutely. Okay. That's what I carried for most of my career. Now, was can you explain of, that? Like, the department can, you know, give you a gun to carry, yeah, right? Yeah. But you can also qualify with your own personal weapon that you can have in your own household. Yeah, absolutely. So any guns that you were to use on duty, you had to qualify with. You had to go to the range. You had to pass those OPATA certifications that I told you about earlier. You had to pass all of that before you could use a gun on duty. So whether that be a gun, like let's say, you know, people didn't own their own guns or whatever it was, they would just have the department issue them a gun and then they would take that out to the range and they would qualify with it. And that's what they would use on duty. Me personally, I have been around guns my entire life. I'm very comfortable with guns. So I, I have kind of a variety. So I kind of thought of it in a way of, this could possibly be a life and death situation when I absolutely need to use this. And so I wanted to use whatever I am absolutely most comfortable with. So I personally did use one of my guns. The The downfall you run into with that is if, heaven forbid, you were to get into a shooting and actually um, injure someone or kill someone, whatever it is, they would actually take that gun from you, which is your own personal for gun evidence. for evidence. And while the case is going to trial and all that good stuff, they would actually take that gun from you. And then you're kind of out a gun and there's a high chance that you're never going to see that gun never again. Get it back. Yeah. So, and you know, if you got a, you know, a $1,200, $1,500 gun strapped to your, strapped to your hip, that that's a big financial kind of commitment. Whereas if you're using one of their guns that they issued you, the, you know, if that situation were to arise, they would just take that, but then just give you another one. And let so. me ask you this. These departments, are they giving you like mid-grade level pistols to carry on your hip? Yeah, they're giving you quality. Um, I mean, quality, like we're talking like Smith & Wesson. Yeah. $700 so, pistols they'll probably give you. Yeah, you're getting five, six, $700 pistols, mainly Glocks. Glocks okay. is probably... So, now, I thought Smith & Wesson was popular with the police department. It is. Smith & Wesson is a popular department or a popular um, brand for a lot of departments. But Glock is the far and beyond. Probably. Glock is the number one choice okay. for 
a lot of departments, at least around here. Okay. Um, and that's what they would, that's what the, the, the department I worked for, that's what they issued you. So, yeah, I mean, you can pick up a Glock at any local gun shop for what, 600 bucks. Well, Glock does a really good like law enforcement discount that's and right. all that good stuff. So yeah. that's why a lot of departments use them is because they're very good quality and they, they do a lot of financial kind of help for these departments to, for them to use their guns and stuff. But like you said, Smith and Wesson is a, another good brand. Um, SIG is another brand, but we know, could go on for we days. We could go on that. for days. Yep. Shotgun or AR in your own vehicle, like police car, cruiser, both. Really? Yeah. So I thought, I thought you could only have one. No, you can have as, you can have as many as you want for the most part. I mean, they're not going to let you carry around, 20 guns because then it just gets okay. kind of boring. But so, so you say both, where were then, where was your shotgun and AR placed in your cruiser? So you're, when you can qualify, I, can I guess? Yeah, go ahead. I'm thinking shotgun would be in, in your like, um, like roof maybe. Okay. And then your AR would probably be in the boot for like a, a hostage or something situation. Like if you pulled up, you'd go in the back, put your bulletproof vest on, or maybe you already have it on, not sure. And then you load up your AR. Like I, I see this in the movies. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, like if you're if you're in like a close person shootout, you would obviously, I mean, shotgun's going to do some damage. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to take the, I'm going to put the shotgun in close quarters and we'll have it probably on my roof. But then like if someone's like holding up a bank or something. Mm-hmm. And you're sitting outside in a parking lot mm-hmm. and you got your door open mm-hmm. and you go to the back, you get your AR out. You're just remembering these movie scenes <laughs> yeah. like crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so go ahead and tell me. Uh, no, you're, you're pretty much, uh, you're pretty much right on there. Uh, um, here I am again. Corey. There you go. You're, I told you you're an expert clay bird. You can, you can go out there anytime you want and just be ready to go. I'm trying to picture you just behind Don't. the wheel of a cruiser. <laughs> no. Full uniform and just. Stepping out there and just ready to ready to go toe to toe with somebody who's who's trying you. Uh-uh. No, <laughs> <laughs> that's why I didn't do it. So, um, yeah, back to your question. Uh, AR and shotgun was in my cruiser um, a lot of the times. So I would most likely kind of have the same situation. I would kind of go back and forth with what I was just kind of feeling in the moment. I would either have my shotgun. We had vertical racks, so in between your front and passenger seat, your two front seats you would have a vertical rack. So your shotgun would be sitting straight up and down between okay, so the two seats. Okay. Yeah, it wouldn't be in the roof. But that's another popular place that a lot of departments put them. And then I would put the AR in a case in the trunk. Sometimes I would switch those around and I would put the AR in that rack and then put the shotgun in the trunk. Um, sometimes I would just walk or I would just go around with the AR and just leave the uh, leave the shotgun at the po- at post. But it was kind of... Uh, it's, it's personal preference. Now, are the shotguns and ARs always loaded while they're in the cruiser, or do you oh, have yeah. to keep them unloaded? So you call what you use what's called cruiser ready. Basically, you f- you rack it and you're good to go. That's it. So you're ready to shoot. You're ready to go. Flip to safety. Yeah, you're you're good to go. That for the most part, that's what's called cruiser ready. Okay. So yeah, you're always loaded, twenty four seven, ready to go. Okay. Yeah. Now that we got the, uh, we're on the topic of guns. Did you ever get yourself into a situation where you had to pull your weapon? Multiple, multiple times. Really? Yes. Yeah. Now you see, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> can we can we dig just a little bit deeper? There? Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. So it, it's kind of interesting because I, I've I've talked to a lot of kind of retired cops or a lot of people that work with other departments and stuff like that, and they rarely, if ever 
pull their gun. I've talked to, I've heard some people and talked to some people who never pulled their gun in their entire career. I was on my department for roughly around two years and I can't count. I can't remember. I can't count how many times I pulled my gun while on duty. And so, and it kind of, it also kind of digs into the different departments. Some departments you have to actually do a use of force, um, a use of force report just for pulling your gun, whether that be to press check it, whether that be to do anything, you have to do a use of use of force report on that. For us at our department, they didn't require you to do that. So you could use it more as a tool rather than, you know, as soon as you pull it, you're, you're going to shoot. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so kind of one of the, when you, one of the, I give you a kind of situation if you want, Clay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we pull up to a scene and this was when I was on FTO. So basically being on FTO means that you have your FTO officer, which is your more seasoned officer who's riding around in the car with you. Okay. So they're, they're basically your trainer at this point. Yes. They're basically your trainer. They're there that if you have any problems, any questions, any, anything like that, they're there to help you and make sure that you don't make a potentially deadly mistake yeah. in those situations. So we roll up to a scene and um, it was a domestic violence scene. So we got a call from, I believe it was a neighbor that there was a bunch of yelling and screaming out in the front yard. We roll up and we get out of the car and there's two women that we see right off the bat yelling in the front yard. And it's probably three, four o'clock in the morning at this point. Um, so obviously you got the neighbor's attention and all that good stuff. So they're yelling at each other, fighting each other in the front yard. And so we kind of break it up, ask them what's going on. And they just kept screaming, ask him, ask him. And I'm like, ask who? I, well, we only see you two. So we kind of start scanning around and they start, they tell us he's in the car. So there was a car parked in the driveway of that front yard. So we look in there and there's a guy in the front driver's seat. And so I walk around to the driver's driver's side, not knowing really what's going on. And I can see he's got the light on inside the Mm -hmm. uh, overhead light. And I can see he's got blood coming out of his, he's got blood coming out of his ear and out of his nose. And so I'm giving him commands, like get out of the car, get out of the car, get out of the car. He's got the door. I keep trying to open the door. He's got the door locked. Won't get out of the car. So then that's when it goes back to, I pull my gun and I basically put it right on that window and I said, maybe a couple choice words, but I said, basically open the door and he ended up opening the door. He gets out. I told him to get down on the ground, you know, spread Eagle, all that good stuff. Put my gun away because my partner, my FTO is watching the other two women who's still going kind of ballistic at this point. And so I'm kind of having to deal with this guy by myself. So holster my weapon for a second, put him in handcuffs because I had no idea what's going on right? because they're screaming a bunch of different stuff. He's bleeding. No idea if there's weapons involved, anything like that. So handcuff him, get him all situated. And it turns out that it was basically to put it in basic, just straight out there. It was a threesome that had gone wrong. <laughs> so damn. the house that Imagine they were that. the house that they were at three a.m. in the morning, three a.m., four a.m. in the morning, Threesome's and it's just yep. <laughs> so this guy that I had in handcuffs, it was actually his mom's house. His mom was upstairs, and so they were trying to have their little shindig down on the first floor, and I guess he 
was given a little bit more attention to one of the girls than the other. She got mad, and that's when they got involved. And that's when the two women started fighting. And then they started beating the beating the crap out of him, and that's where he got the blood from. So he got in the car trying to get away from it, and they started fighting in the front yard, and then that's when we showed up. Okay. So threesomes gone wrong is never a good thing. <laughs> Tell you what, guys. If you're ever in a threesome, I don't have this experience, but I'll just go throw this out there. If you're ever in a threesome, always pay more attention to your significant other. <laughs> <laughs> always. I get that that'd probably be uh some good advice there. Good advice yeah. there. Quickly. Yep. Have you ever used your pepper spray or taser on a suspect? Yes. So with that being said, like we were talking about our belts earlier and what we carried. Yep. I never carried pepper spray. Always taser. Always. I, Is it one or the other? No, you can carry both okay. if you want. But I never carried pepper spray because I hated what it did to me in the academy. Like it messed me up for weeks after that. So I always figured if I'm going to use my pepper spray, it's going to mess me up mo- more likely than it's going to mess them up. Does that make sense? So yeah. it's going to put me at more of a disadvantage than if I just didn't use it. Right. So I just chose never not to carry it. But there was, I believe... Probably roughly about seven times that I had to taser somebody. There is a story I can think of that still kind of still kind of gets to me to this day. I was always I'd love to hear it. I was always I loved chasing people on foot. That was always my thing. I was <laughs> I was always because I'm always, I was always one of the I'm always one of the fastest. Yeah. Still young, all that good stuff. I love chasing people. So me and my FTO were at a different location different fto different part of the county at this point we get this call out that a car had just been stolen from the gas station from a gas station somebody had parked their car left it running left it unlocked went inside to get whatever car got stolen so we're rolling around in this neighborhood that's kind of beside the gas station that got stolen from and this car back in this neighborhood just goes flying by us and flies through like three stop signs. So we kind of start following them and they're going obviously well over the speed limit, running through stop signs. So we have our probable cause to stop them. So I light them up my lights. Not for fun this time. No, I light them up to try to get them to stop and he doesn't stop. So we have a no, we had a no pursuit policy. So unless it was a violent felony, we could not chase people in our car. We could not, you know, like like you see in the movies where people where cops are chasing, yeah. you know, the bad guys yeah. in the cars. We couldn't do that unless it was a violent felony. So with that being said, I had to stop the chase, but I had made a right onto this road and this car that I was just trying to get to stop had wrecked that we thought was stolen. I throw it in park and this guy gets out of the car and is running away from me. So I said, here we go. Let's do it. So I got out of the cruiser and I take off sprinting too. catch up to him in the backyard of this house. And there's a fence in the backyard. And so big, tall, probably seven, eight foot tall wooden fence. Tell me they had a big old pit bull or Rottweiler. No, they did. Damn it. They did. So, (laughs) you know, you see in the movies, they always got the pit. They always got the dog. They (laughs) always got the dog. So he goes to start jumping over this fence. Couldn't, Couldn't get over. No, he was getting over. He was an agile little guy. So I pulled my taser out, and when he's kind of getting onto this fence, I tase him. And he locks up and then just falls 
straight over the other side of this fence. <laughs> just straight over the other side of this fence. So you had to hop it too. So I've got my my taser probes are in him because it locked up. Mm-hmm. I had a great yeah. connection. So I said, don't move. Don't move. You're going to get it again. So about the same time I press my taser again to light him up again, he rips the wires out of himself and gets up and runs. So I have to holster my taser real quick, jump over the fence and get going after this dude before I lose him. And by the time I got over the fence and got to the other side, he had gotten away. And that's the one person that I had chased on foot that ended up getting away. And it still eats to me to this Is day. Is this guy still free? Yeah. He hasn't been caught to the, I, really? not that I know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So son of a bitch. That's the one guy that got away from me on foot and it still eats me to this day. Maybe one day. Maybe one day I'll get him. Maybe one day he'll, <laughs> he'll, you'll, you'll recognize his face at the Dragons yep. game. Yep. Hey, you never know. <laughs> you never know. How does it feel to cuff someone? Is it like the ultimate, like, yeah, I did it. I would be lying if if I said it didn't It didn't feel pretty good, um, especially with those people who deserve it. The deserve it. Yeah. Absolutely. Because there, there's actually some people that, you go out there and you have to cuff and you're just like, and they might be innocent. Not necessarily innocent. I mean, cause you've always cuffed somebody. You're they, you highly believe that they committed some sort of crime, but there's some people that you cuff and you kind of feel for a little bit, whatever the situation might be. There's some people that you cuff and you're like, man, I wish, I wish there was a way I didn't have to do this. And there was something else I can do in lieu of, cuffing them and sending them to sending them to jail. But yeah, when you're when you're dealing with those real kind of shit turds that are just really getting at you and really making your life difficult or that did something terrible, you you're you're very glad to cuff them okay. for sure. Have you ever came across a shots fired situation over your radio? So yeah. basically you're sitting in your car and you hear like uh Either the dispatcher or a fellow officer saying shots fired, shots fired. So, yes, to both. That's okay. what I was trying to think of. I was okay. trying to think of both, either whether that was dispatcher. So you, or, you were in a rough neighborhood. Then. It was it was rough. Yes, okay. it was rough. The place I was in, I heard a statistic one time that it had more homicides per capita. So based on population, all that good stuff, had more homicides per capita than Chicago. Okay. So yes. now, what was the population of your area? Do you have any idea off the top of your head? I wouldn't have any idea off the top of my head. It but it's be, not near Chicago. Not anywhere close to Chicago. It would probably be, I would say it would probably be the size. It would probably be close to. Is it close to like, um, I'm trying to think of a, a city. Louisville? No. S- smaller? Lexington, Kentucky. Okay. Lexington. Probably, I tell you what. And Lexington is not small by no. any means. I tell you what, it's probably, probably slightly smaller, slightly smaller than Indianapolis. Okay, that gives yeah. you. A little, we've been to Indianapolis a couple times. Yeah, we're going tomorrow because just to let you know. Yeah, big game. Yeah, big game. There, but Ohio this is going. This, this, is go, this is going to air after. So it's fair. That's true. We can't say that's much. true because if we're being cocky now, <laughs> yeah. we might. Ugh. Anyway. Well, I regret that. Yeah. So, so you were in a city smaller, about the size of uh, Lexington, smaller than Indianapolis, and you have heard the shots fired call. So yeah. The, now it, tell me that feeling. Think of the feeling. It's got to be like a uh, a scared, but also adrenaline at the same it's time. It's literally an adrenaline, adrenaline dump right then and there. Yeah. You literally go from 
eating my donut, she, throwing yeah. it out the window, ready to ride. Yep. Yep. You literally go from just zero to as fast as you've ever went in your entire life. Kind of like Drake. Zero to 100 real quick. I, I'm not much of a rap guy, but yeah, sure. We'll go with that. <laughs> um, so there's this one scenario that I can remember where we were doored up with one of our, uh, a, another deputy that we worked with a lot, me and my FTO, and another deputy that he worked with a lot. When you get um, a dispatch for a serious call, excuse me, it comes over not only your radio, but it comes on your MDT. Your MDT is your computer inside your cruiser. Like it's, red, probably. So like it comes a, up. Yeah, it comes up big flashing words. Yeah, it goes. Arr, arr, arr. It literally like if you're dead asleep, it's going to wake you up instantly. It's super loud, all that good stuff. So and you see shots fired, person shot, robbery. I can't remember. I can't remember exactly yeah. what came up on this call, but that came up on this call. Now, were you alone at this time or are you with, with your FTO? I was with my FTO. Okay. So we were saying, what did he say when he when that happened? He said, get it going, dude, get it going. And it's kind of weird because when you see an address pops up and me not being from this area originally, like I'm from Frankfurt originally. So not being from this place originally, you're learning, you're not only learning how to be a cop, you're learning the area that you work. So you're learning where's this, where's this address? Where's this street? Where's this, you know? So it's kind of difficult in those kind of strenuous moments and stressful times, your FTO will help you out with yeah. how I mean, to get to a place. For. But if it's just a regular call, he's not going to help you out. He's going to say, figure it out. So whether it be you get out a map, a literal paper map, whatever it is. But in this case, obviously with a serious call, he was telling you where to go and all that good stuff. So we go ball hauling to this call. And now when you say ball hauling, how fast are we going? Um, down city streets, Speed limit's usually, what, 45? Speed limit was roughly about 35, 45. We were going every bit of 100, 110. Oh, wow. That's what you call ball hall. So, again, this is on midnights. So, there's no traffic, anything like that. So, streets are pretty much clear. So, it makes it a little bit better, but you're still cruising pretty good. So, How's it feel to press the gas pedal down to 100 and be allowed to do it? It feels pretty cool. <laughs> I was about to it say, really, it's gotta be, you got to feel like it a feels badass. pretty cool, but in that moment, you're just, it's adrenaline yeah, I dump. Get you, I you're get thinking you. about a lot of other things afterwards, then you're like, man, that was kind of, that was kind of cool. Yeah. So we go ball onto this call and we park about a, about a block away and get out on foot because there were shots fired on this call. You don't know where they're at. You have no idea what's going on. Exactly. You're pulling up this call. You have a general kind of idea of what had happened. You don't even, ha- you don't have any sort of details. You have an address and that's See, it. I like that. And that's it. You yeah. have, that's all you have. And so there's so many things that could be coming at this point in time. Are you grabbing the AR? Or are you going with the pistol? So at this point on FTO, I did not have an AR yet. Okay. Okay. Um, I would just, I was just going with my handgun and I started sprinting. Me and the FTO started sprinting down to the, down the way. We get kind of close Actually, as soon as we park the car and open the door, we hear just blood curdling screaming coming from down the road. We can't see what's going on because it's still pretty far down there, but we you just hear the scariest blood curdling scream ever. And so we start sprinting and when we pull up, we see other deputies outside of this house. So we know that this is where it's going to be. So we get our gun. We're gonna we're we're drawn out. We're you know, aimed down. We're ready to go. 
what's going on. So there's this probably 70, 75-year-old lady on her front porch. She lives alone. On her front porch, just blood-curdling, screaming, blood pouring from head to toe down her entire body. And where there's a couple deputies at the front door stacked up, which basically means shoulder to shoulder at the front door, getting ready to go in and clear this house. Ready to make an entrance. Ready to make entry into this house. My FTO goes around to the back door just in case anybody who's in the house, if they come out, we can see them. There's two entrances to the house, front and back. I am at the front door, and these other deputies, they say, Hottie, get get her out of here. Get her out of here. So this this older lady at this point, blood coming out, just literally gushing out of her body, is yelling, don't go in there. They have a gun. They shot me. Don't go in there. They have a gun. They shot me. So I'm like, okay, ma'am, I need to get you out of here so that we can do our job. So she would, she didn't want to go with me. She was trying to stop all of us from going in the house because she was, she was scared for us. So I pick her up like how you would hold your wife walking through the front door of your house. I mean, basically like picking her up from the altar. Yeah. Like, you, yeah. yeah. Sometimes they scoop them up and they walk them you out. Scoop them up. Yeah, yeah. Just like that. Gotcha. So I'm holding this lady. She's no more than probably 80 pounds, 73 year old lady. She's just screaming right in my ear. So I start literally, she's in my arms and I'm sprinting down the road because the ambulance is staged right. a couple blocks away because the scene's not safe. So they don't want to come up and then they're in danger, all that good stuff. So they're staged like a block away. So I'm carrying this so lady. So this is where this physical fitness comes into yeah. play. So I'm carrying this lady about a block away to give her to the ambulance. And then I sprint back down to the house to help clear the house, whatever it is. That was kind of the situation. The first situation when you said, I've ever had a shots fired call. That's kind of the first one that I think of. Okay. That's um, fine. That's a good yeah, one. Yeah. I mean, that's a great story. And then you have, you got some people working midnight who you'll just be driving by or you'll be parked in a parking lot, you know, whether you're doing speed, whatever it is. And people shoot at you every once in a while. You'll have a, someone driving by. Um, shoot at you? Yeah, like if you're just sitting there in the cruiser and like they will couple, shoot at you. Yeah, yeah. A drive by, shoot at you. So, so if you're just parked and they're driving by, they're not gonna shoot at you because then you can just take off right after them. But if I'm going this way and they're going this way and you can't see them and you can't really see them, it's dark out. You've ever had? You've had someone shoot at you? Oh yeah, I've had yeah multiple times. <laughs> Damn, Jesus. Yeah. Next so, question. Yeah. So. This is this is the last question I have to do with any, it has to do with anything with guns. Okay. Have you ever pulled the trigger? On duty. On duty. Never. Moving on. <laughs> Did you ever use hand to hand combat while on duty? All the time. Absolutely. Like like punching? So it it not like standing toe to toe, fisticuffs with a dude and just literally throwing throwing jabs. Okay. Let me ask you this, because you've used some moves on me. Mm-hmm. You're like, hey, look what I learned. <laughs> and you've you put some moves on me, and I'm like, gee, many Christmas, dude. That That's like lethal. Yeah. Like pressure points and stuff like that. Yeah, so that that's more of what I've done, um, whether it be, you know, on one of those foot chases that I get in and you actually catch them. They're not trying to go into handcuffs. They just ran from you. They know they're going to jail. They're not trying to go into handcuffs. So you're, you know, putting pressure points, you're doing maneuvers, techniques, 
rollovers, all that kind of stuff. And sometimes, you know, giving them a, a jab in the kidney, giving them a dead leg, giving them, you know, punches like that in the shoulder to get them to bend their arm, whatever it is, that kind of thing is, is what I've done mostly. Now, have you ever had to like, um, disarm a criminal or a suspect with like a knife or anything like that? Like I know when I was going through law enforcement, I had to take a unarmed self-defense mm-hmm. in school and like the trainer would have like a knife mm-hmm. and he would teach me how to disarm him. Mm-hmm. Did you have to do anything so like that at never, all? Yeah. Never in person and like right up, right up next to the dude. I've had people who I've taken down before or tried to arrest before. And then they go to try they to try reach to for, get it. Yeah. They try to get it. And then you stop them, throw them on the ground, whatever it is to get them from doing that. Most of the time it's, I've got my gun drawn on this dude or, or lady and I'm telling them to drop it. Does okay. that make sense? Yeah, yeah. 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 So not so much hand to hand disarming, but using my words. Yeah. Gotcha. Using my words to yeah. disarm them first, but there, there was a couple instances where, you know, they went to grab something as I was already hands on with them. Okay. So how much now, this is probably a question that everybody's wondering and everybody wants to be a part of it, but how much training does it actually take? to get on a SWAT team a lot okay, a lot so that was let me ask you this before yep. you get in yep is the SWAT team like uh considered something like like if you're in the military like a seal or a ranger the SWAT is like that for police yeah yes so okay. um it's your people who really know what they're doing when it comes to just the law in general but it's also people who are really good with firearms with hand to hand, it's kind of funny. Like you would think you think like with SWAT, it just has to do with like guns and shooting and, you know, chasing down bad guys and stuff. It does have to do with that. But another big majority of what SWAT does is with their words. It's people who are really good at talking to people, people who are really good at like we just talked about disarming people, whether that be mentally, emotionally or with a gun, with their words, rather than with a gun or so whatever So we're talking about like a, uh, let's just say we got a hostage situation in a bank. We're talking about the guy that's calling the guy inside the bank. Yes. So yes, you're going to have people who are doing that. You're going to have, yeah. 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 So they're, they they try everything they can before they have to use physical techniques. Before they got to make an entry. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. So there's a lot of training involved in that. There now, is. Now, is that something... That you have to have like so much experience in before you go through that yep, training. You had to have two years experience. And so before that, that was something I was going to try to do. And that's something I wanted now to do. Now I could see you because I was doing that because I was at two, my two year mark. I was, as I had found my new job, I was just at that mark where I could want to apply. I had always told people like my sergeants and all that good stuff as I was going through that that's I was I wanted to do that. And they were telling me, yeah, you'd be good at it, blah, blah, blah. And then it just so happened that the the Dayton Dragons came up and I thought that was a better opportunity for me at that time. Were you ever involved in any kind of drug bust? Are you talking like big drug bust? Like, yeah, I mean, like I'm not talking about someone who's got like a little bag of weed. They could roll three blunts with. I'm talking about the guy who's got pounds of it. So never nothing to that extent. Personally, there was other people that I was working with, like on that same shift that would have a bus like that. I would go over towards, but me, not personally, no. How many people 
rough estimate mm-hmm. do you think you've pulled over? Roughly a hundred. Really? Roughly. Out of the hundred, give me a percentage of them that complained or gave you shit. Again, this kind of goes back to where I worked. Yeah. It was not a very law enforcement friendly area. Right. Let's put it that way. It, it was, you would, you were more likely to come in contact with somebody that hated you and gave you crap versus someone who was polite and respectful towards you. So I would say it was probably 70, 30. Okay. So my towards ne- people who did so, not like you. So my next question's already answered for me. Was that? Do criminals talk shit to you while they're riding in the back of the cruiser? Oh my gosh, all the time. Because <laughs> because when you're ta- when you're taking them down to jail, you got your video camera on. Yeah. You got your video camera on and your mic's on and everything like that. So they know that. Especially these people who have done it multiple times. There was multiple people that I would pull over, arrest, or whatever multiple times. You have your regulars. And they know you have on that mic. They know you have on that that video camera so they're you know talking all the crap to you they can wanting you to make that mistake because then it works in their favor does that make sense in the court of law in the court of law yeah you know if they see you know if you pull over and start giving this dude the business in the back seat you know punching him they're going to tell him to shut up they're going to see that and so so the best thing for you to do at this time is just be quiet zip it just shut up zip it yep do not say any unless they have a physical complaint like hey man i can't breathe yeah i got what i got asthma man i need you to do something to help me out well whatever it is. if they have a physical complaint like that most of the time it was just them shit talking and you just zip it don't don't pay it any attention yeah okay. as a cop let's just say you you said you work midnights right yep as a cop working midnights let's just say it was a quiet night okay what'd you do to pass the time very good question very good question um, I worked hard on this. Did you? Yeah. When you're on FTO, you really don't have any downtime. So in your downtime, when you don't have any calls and stuff, you're doing a report or you're doing something paperwork wise for the two or three other calls that you've already had that night. If it's three o'clock in the morning and you've already had two or three calls that you got to do a report on, when you have a downtime in the night, you're sitting there working on those reports trying to get those done so you don't have to stay after your shift's done. Does that make sense? Yeah. Do cops, like yourself, say you were off duty? Mm-hmm. Now, do you carry your weapon and badge while you're off duty? Sometimes. Just depends on where you're going. I mean, if if I'm going to, if I'm going to, like, just Kroger or something, I might not bring it. Yeah. Um, just kind of depends. Majority of the time, if I go somewhere for, at least for an extended period of time, I'll usually wear, I'll usually have my gun and being a police officer, you, you can carry your gun wherever you go. So whether that be the Walmart who had, who has the little, um, no gun, no policy. gun, no gun policy, you can still carry your gun in there. Now, I believe me and you were somewhere. I think we might've went shopping one day, Black Friday or something a few years ago. And you had your badge on you. Mm-hmm. And I asked you a question. I said, Hey, like if something would happen to go down, let's just say we're in dicks. Mm-hmm. If something was happen, if something would happen to go down in here, like would you jump into action? But you didn't have your weapon, but you had your badge. Like what? What could you have done there? Um, and so you're not in your jurisdiction. We're in a totally different city, maybe even a different state. Like explain that to me. So basically, I I am a 
certified peace officer in the state of Ohio. Yeah. So with that being said, different states have different laws. And so when it comes to being out of state, you're you're kind of out of your jurisdiction of being able to really do something. Now, if you're in the state of Ohio, yes, I can do, you know, whatever, I don't want to say whatever you need to whatever do. Whatever I need to do. Yeah. That, um, and you'd brought up the point of having my badge, but not my gun. I, if I'm going to, in that hypothetical, I would never carry my badge and not my gun. Okay. Or vice See, I versa. Didn't, I didn't know that. I would okay. never carry my gun and not my badge. Okay. Well, that's, you answered my question. Yeah. So, because in that situation, if I needed to act in a certain... You would need your weapon. I would need yeah. my weapon for, or I would need my badge to kind of show, hey, this is who I am. I need to help out in this situation. You answered that. Yep. Great. Yeah. Did you ever pull over a drunk driver and give them a field sobriety test? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Give me good stories. Oh, yeah. Um, There was this one dude who he was... It was a gas station. This was probably four, four o'clock in the morning. I feel like if you're out there drinking and driving and mm-hmm. it's four o'clock in the morning, you dumb son of a bitch, why'd you pull into the gas station? So... Right. The gas station was closed. Oh, it was closed? Yeah. Closed gas station. I feel like he was trying to get like a munchie or a pack of cigarettes. He was. Okay. So here here we go. (laughs) So he was so drunk, he pulls into the gas station to try to get gas and also go into the gas station and get food or drink whatever he wanted. He wanted a bag of fucking Fritos, what he wanted. And he was passed out on the outside of his car, on the outside of his truck. So the door is wide open. And he's half hanging out of his car. Did he have the? We did, thought the dude was dead. Pulled was up he to trying the, to fill his truck up with gas at the same time? So he he went. So this is the story I remember. He gave us. He tried to go into the gas station. Door was locked. So then he was like, "Well, I might as well get gas while I'm here." Started to try to pump the gas, but the gas nozzle was not in his truck. It was still hung up. So oh he had, God. so in some, this guy was shit can. Yeah. In some kind of way, he was half in his truck, half out of his truck, just slumped and just. Now, let me ask you this. Asleep. When you come up on a guy like this individual mm-hmm. that's so hammered out of his mind, mm-hmm. do you have to give him a, a field sobriety test or do you just say, dude, you're so drunk, get in the back of my cruiser? So the field sobriety test, what it basically does is. It basically gives us, the police, a little bit more evidence towards your state of mind or your state of body. If you do a field sobriety test and, you know, obviously when we do a field sobriety test, you're being filmed the entire time. Yep. And we do, we put you in front of the camera, basically. You don't realize it in this time because not only are you drunk, but you don't understand where our cameras are and all that good stuff. So we put you in front of the camera so that all that is documented and if you can't do a field sobriety test, that just adds basically evidence to our case against you. Does that make sense? Yeah. So in some cases, you get those people who you pull over and whether it be you smell alcohol or they're slurring their words, um, their eyes are just going every which way you can think of. They can't put a sentence together, whatever it is. And they're like, no, I don't want to do any of your field sobriety tests. I still use my training and I'm still able to say, okay, I think you're under the influence of alcohol. You're still being arrested. And then you will be tested and all that good stuff. Once you get to the, um, once you get to the jail. So yes, you can still be arrested without doing field sobriety tests. 
Which crimes were the most pain in the ass to arrest or cite people for? It could go from like a, a basic speeding ticket. You just don't want to fill out the paperwork someday. That's just a pain in the ass. Let's just say it's like a Thanksgiving or Christmas Eve. It's Christmas Eve and you pull a guy over. You're about to end your shift. You're about to go home for Christmas and this guy's just flying. And you're just like, son of a bitch. I really don't want to do this paperwork today. Crashes. Crashes. Big, a lot of paperwork there. Yes. A lot of paperwork with crashes and they're very, very finicky paperwork does that make sense yeah so you got to have a right for the insurance company. yes you have to fill out these crashes 100 percent correctly or it won't go through so you could spend an hour two hours just on this one crash report because you have to they give you basically a blank diagram and you have to recreate the scene on a piece of paper on a computer so the streets Whichever way the streets were going, where the cars were placed when you showed up, where the cars were before you showed up, where the car impacted another car. It literally has to be exactly perfect. You have to have your directions on the map. You have to have your street names on the map. You have to have your landmarks on the map. Man, it's, that's, that's just a pain in the ass. Thing. And that's just the picture you got to do. Right. You have to do an actual report, word report after that and all that good stuff. So even when you get to a crash... You did the crash report, but then with the crash report, there was most likely a crime that went with it, whether it be speed, whether it be um, running a stop sign. Yep. Failure to yield, whether it be running a stop sign or being drunk or being drunk. There was a couple of times when there was a crash we came up on. We got a dispatch. Hey, there's a crash at so-and-so place, blah, blah, blah. We'd go to it and there was this person standing on the side of the road and their car is just all messed up in the middle of the road, you know, there's no other cars around. So obviously they wrecked the car, but in the court of law, they can also come back and get you and say, how do you know that person was driving that car? Did you see them driving that car? You came up and saw the person standing on the side of the road and that's their car. But how do you know they were driving that car? So there's a lot of different things that can really come back to bite you and when you when you ask that question of biggest pain in the butt, it's definitely a crash for okay. sure. This might sound like a weird question, but is prostitution still a thing? It is. It really? Is. It's it's really crazy. It's it it's like walk it's like seeing a dog walk on its hind legs or like seeing your teacher outside of school. You know that feeling of it's yeah. just like weird. It's like you know what it is, but it's just weird to see. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. When you said when you brought up the teacher thing, I'm thinking like, like us right now. Yeah. If we're out at like a local high school game or something, you still call your teacher that you had 20 years ago. Yep. Mrs. Yep. And not her real name. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. So it's just a we- it's just it's a- weird that we're <laughs> comparing that to prostitution, <laughs> but <laughs> not not comparing, but the feeling you kind of you get when you see it. So like you would see so, these. So have you have you witnessed some prostitution down oh, there? Yeah. Oh yeah, there's like well, I mean, what I mean, what what's it like? Because I in my life in my lifetime I've never ever like seen a prostitute, and it's it's kind of weird because you kind of got to know what you look what you look for, because it, you know when you see the movies of like these girls in you know high heels, short skirts, and low cut tops sitting on the corner, that's not really how it works. Yeah, you know you see these 
there are girls that kind of stand on the corner and stuff like that you do see, but not they're not dressed like that for the most part. And it's more of like a internet thing nowadays. It's more of a phone calls and stuff like that. How it happens, where I've seen it in particular, is when you roll up on, like whether it be a, a dark alley in the back or whether it be a uh, uh, an old rundown restaurant parking lot or whatever, and you roll up and there's a car, a random car parked in that lot, and you're like, okay. And there's a guy and a girl sitting in it. So yeah. we got the pimp and then we got the prostitute. No, you got the John and you got the prostitute. Like the bodyguard. No. What's the John? The John is the dude she's who's paying her to have sex with him. Okay, so is there a uh, is there a bodyguard or the pimp around at that time? No, no. So the pimp so, is the person who... Gets the money from her. Yeah, she goes back and gets the money, yeah. and then that the John is the person who is getting who is paying for the sex. Learn something new every day, Corey. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, so you roll up on these, you know, blacked out cars and stuff, and so how do you know she's a prostitute at that point? How do you know that's just not boyfriend girlfriend having a good time in the old broke down restaurant parking lot? Because when you go up and you're asking them like, what are you guys doing here? And she's like, and the guy's usually like, Oh, it's my girlfriend. We've been dating for a couple, we've been dating for a couple weeks now. Like you're a fucking liar. No, you just say, okay, what's her name? (laughs) 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 And and he goes, uh, (laughs) just got nothing to say. So, and he's got a hard dick. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you, you roll up on these, on these cars and they're, they're both butt naked in there. And okay. he's, she's usually doing something uh-huh. extracurricular to him. Use your imagination. Use your, squad. Yeah, use your imagination. <laughs> and that, that's probably what's going on in that vehicle. So, so it's still a thing. It's still a thing. Okay. Yep. It's just a little bit more hidden nowadays and kind of to go with that. I got a pretty good story back when I was in college and doing you know, my classwork and stuff. This was before I did the academy, before I, you know, got the job, all that good stuff. We had to do an internship with one for one of my law enforcement classes. And I actually got to do an internship with a task force um, group that was actually the task force to the department that I ended up working for. So it was kind of, it was kind of cool because it was like I did an internship for the place I ended up working for, never really knowing it. So Um, they had a specialty in a lot of different things, whether it be drugs, prostitution, all this good stuff. So we were actually doing a prostitution sting while I was in this internship. And so we would be staged in a hotel room and you know how hotel rooms have that adjoining room with that extra, extra door in, in between the rooms. So we would rent or we would pay for that room that we were in and also the room next door. So the undercover officer that or detective that was in charge of doing the prostitution, she would go online and meet these guys and she would set up a, a date with them. That's what they called them a date. And so it was in this hotel. We would hold that door shut that was in between, but keep it unlocked because usually they don't have handles. Yeah, it's usually a deadbolt and they just swing open. So you would have to makeshift something to be able to hold that door shut. And then so she would set up this date and she would meet this guy in the lobby, bring him up to the room. And once they got into the room and they would talk about, you know, exchanging money for sexual activities, all that good stuff, she would give a code word. And once we heard that code word through the uh, speakers and through the microphones and all that good stuff, I would open up that door and then every all the other detectives would rush in 
and arrest these dudes. So you were a part of this. I was a part of this just doing an internship and it was, I fell in love with it. It was, it was so awesome. That's something else there. But that's kind of going back to like your SWAT and your detective, what we were talking about. That's the kind of work that they do. That's the kind of work that they do. Yeah. Okay. That's their everyday duties that they do, which is, I fell in love with it. Yeah. Is it true that some females offer sexual favors to get out of tickets or any kind of trouble? So I never experienced this firsthand to an extent firsthand. Okay. So there was never a girl, there was never a, a female who would say, you know, just explicitly, Hey, pull over and get me out of this ticket or get me, you know, take these handcuffs cuffs off of me and I'll do I'm this. Talking, I'm talking like, let's say you pull over a hot chick mm-hmm. and she's, let's just say she's, 36 years old. Mm-hmm. She's got some big old titties on her. She's <laughs> yeah. blonde. She's yeah. sexy. Mm-hmm. You pull her over and she's going 90. It's just saying a 55. And that's a big ticket. That's, that's like, a, that's, that's a, that's a reckless what they ticket. call it? Rec, reckless off. Yep. She can lose her license. And she's yeah. like, and she's like, uh, you know what officer? And she starts giving you the, <laughs> the little, the little tongue in the cheek thing. Can you the, do that again? <laughs> A little action there. Okay. And she's like, what do you think? I mean, I, I, I can't afford to lose my license. What do you think? Now, do they do that? Like, is there, is there are there some people out there who try that shit? So, yes, you've heard story. I've heard stories of people I was on the same shift with that was like, hey, I just pulled over this. I just pulled over this lady and she was trying to get me to, you know, do some stuff, all this good stuff. So you hear those stories. It never happened to me to that extent personally there was a couple instances where you have females who will kind of hint at it and not even specifically to get out of the ticket there was some bars in the community that we would be at and what you do you do bar checks every once in a while so you would you know park your cruiser get out of the cruiser go into the bar through walk through i'm not really walk through but just walk in the door and kind of you know, make sure everything's going all right. Just say hi, say hi to the bar owner, make sure everything's going on. But then these drunk girls would start walking up to you and they see you got a badge and all that good stuff. And they're what? drunker and snot and they walk up to you and they're just giving you all sorts of lines, Claybird. Well, they- <laughs> well, I tell you what, I tell you what, you're running right into my next question. <laughs> okay. Did chicks dig the badge? Chicks dig the badge. For sure. <laughs> In particular, let me say. My future wife, my fiance. Huh? Yeah, I will. Um, <laughs> yeah, she. When I would get home from a day or something. Oh boy. Or like the first couple times, I would put on the put on the uniform and have the belt on and all that good stuff. And I don't want to know all her sexual fantasies. <laughs> it's not that. <laughs> well, but she would. Just, <laughs> I feel like that's where we're heading. Not to that extent. I mean, actually, I'm interested. What you got? <laughs> not. I mean, it, chicks. Let's just put it this way. Chicks, chick digs the badge for sure. We'll go with that. Yeah. I'd like to say most cops like to rock a mustache mm-hmm. of some kind. Mm-hmm. What percentage of cops do you think have a sick mustache? A sick mustache? 13%. Really? That low? Yeah. Now, what do you think about like a measly mustache? So when you talk about a measly mustache, I actually was part of the measly mustache okay, crew. Okay. <laughs> so, so that's higher then. Yeah. Yeah. That you're probably getting to about 50% then. Okay. 
and then you're just total mustaches that are just like not even really a mustache kind of thing. Okay. You're up there so, to whatever. So you're over. talking like the, the older vets and shit. They rock the, the your older vets one. that are, you know, 40 to 50 years old. You know, they can grow their full fledged beards and mustaches and it's it's coming in thick. And, you know, those, those are the ones that can rock it. Me, whatever your, I got, your going, little scruff, yeah, my <laughs> scruff, whatever I got going here. Um, I would always I would sometimes try to uh, try to grow the mustache out and I would let it I would rock it for a couple weeks. But then I was like. This thing's just puny and just. I finally wimpy. got rid of my mustache, Corey with K. I don't know if you've noticed, but I finally got rid of it. See it. I've I, had it since the beginning of November, and I've rocked this. Th- Actually, I've had it since the middle of October because I grew it out for Halloween, and I grew it the whole month of November. It was the thickest it's ever been. My wife fucking hated me for a month <laughs> and a half, and I finally shaved it off this morning. Yep. And I feel great because it's not in my mouth. It's my like toothpaste and shit ain't getting caught in it. Yep. I feel like a new man right now. So it's funny you bring that up. Every time I would bring, I would grow out the mustache and have the uniform on and stuff like that, thinking I was Mr. Cool Guy. The fiance hated it. She absolutely hated it. Yeah. But I kn- I haven't seen you in a couple weeks. But I've watched the sip and serve videos and stuff like that, and I've noticed it was getting thick. Though. I've noticed that it was getting thick. that mustache you had rocking, yeah. and I, I, now that you say it, now I notice it's gone. It's gone I'm, I'm pretty disappointed you didn't. Yeah. you didn't well, keep that. On. Man, it was a long time coming. That, that month and a half was a long time. You should have shaved it and just perked it up for this podcast. It would have been perfect to Dude, have the mustache. Been, it's for. been perked up for a fucking month, ain't it? Corey? It has been. It's been going. It's been pretty long we've been dude, chewing on it dude i have been <laughs> chewing on it i had to get rid of it when it comes to facial hair though um at the departments and stuff that they have some sort of uh policies usually with what facial hair you can have and stuff like that like mustaches that we could grow they couldn't go outside the outside of your um your mouth your okay, lip that makes sense so that you had to keep it inside of that um you had to keep it groomed and all that good stuff like it wasn't just until very shortly in the last couple months actually that we were allowed to grow like actual beards and facial hair you had to be clean shaven so how do fat cops have jobs they've been at the department for a long time that's how they have a job so are these the guys that you see like working like the metal detectors in the courtrooms and shit and um, then like maybe possibly working a like a, a local high school basketball game or something yeah for the most part when you get those heavier set officers and stuff they've they've number one they've been on the department for a very long time so they have their experience you know they're not going to be told what to do to an extent is that if that makes sense yeah but then at that point they have those more cushy jobs to where they aren't out there chasing people. I was about to say, they can't run. Yeah. So majority of the time, they have one of those spots where they don't need to be completely in shape. You know, it's it's never good for someone to be, you know, completely overweight and can't do the job and all that good stuff. But they're in a spot in the job to where it doesn't affect truly their their job performance. When does does it stop? Do certain cops have to pass a physical fitness test every now and again so if you at least for our department some departments are different in how they handle that that sort of thing with our department as long as you were a regular deputy sheriff you did not have to do regular physical fitness tests now you see i think that's crazy 
I do too. I always thought uh, that's something I never agreed with. I thought you at least should have to keep up with something. I think so too. Like every six months you had to like run so much. You had to at least keep up with something. That was always my thought. But with this department that I worked for, um, and I know a lot of departments are the same way. If you were a regular deputy sheriff, they did not permit you or they did not require you to do any sort of physical fitness. Now, when you went up to get promotions, whether it be detectives and SWAT, like we were talking about before, you have to regularly on like a well, yeah, I assume that a few month basis actually. But I just see these big these big guys like going back to the donuts, like they're eating donuts, they're eating McDonald's cheeseburgers every day for lunch, and then you see them at like a local basketball game, and these guys are just big, and I'm just like, man, like if I did something wrong here, there's no way this guy's going to catch me. Yeah, and there's yep. that's that's what a lot of people think too. You know what I mean? Yep, and it's 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 hard to. For people to kind of, I mean, it's hard for me to understand at some points. It's hard for a lot of civilian kind of people to understand. Most of the time when you see that, it's, they've most likely got a younger guy working with them. They've most likely got a more fit guy working with them or whatever it is. But yeah, it's one, it's one of the downfalls. I definitely would agree with you that a lot of departments need to change for sure. Last two questions here. Okay. And before I ask these, I just want to thank you for coming on. Absolutely, bro. I believe this podcast right here is one of the most interesting podcasts that we have ever produced out of this studio. Absolutely. I really do, and I want to just say thank you once again. Absolutely, and I tell you what, there was no way that we could cover all the questions that you could come up with, anything I could talk about in this one podcast. So if you ever want me back on... For a part two, (laughs) I would be more than happy to come on. I I feel like it is a a great thing that you had me on to talk about this stuff because there's a lot of people out there that don't know this shit. Yeah, there's a lot of people. There's a lot of misconceptions about um, law enforcement, especially in today's day and age. You know, obviously, we don't want to get political or anything like that. But in general, there's a lot of misconceptions about law enforcement and there's a lot of it's a very very crazy time to get into law enforcement but talking about this stuff and talking about the misconceptions talking about my experiences will hopefully have those little kids that I was and looked up to the police officers hopefully they it gives them a little bit of background into a career that they want to have if that makes sense well i mean Branching off that, I doubt there's many little kids out there besides Leo who listen to this. <laughs> but you know, what it's I mean. very informational. You know I, mean. yeah, I know absolutely. what you mean. I yeah. know exactly what you mean, man. Last two questions here. Was there ever a point in time where you found yourself in a situation where you were scared? Yes, all the time. And my my opinion about that is, I, I've throughout my career, I heard a lot of people say. You can't be scared in this field. That's going to be your downfall or that's going to be the death of you or whatever it is. And I would kind of disagree with that because being scared is is healthy. Being scared is good. Being scared means that you understand the situations that you're in. Now, letting that feeling of being scared creep in and affect your judgment or the way that you handle situations 
that's when it becomes a problem, if that makes sense. It does make sense. And so there's been a lot of different times in my career, and I'll give you an example. So yeah, I was ask, I was going to ask for an example. So one of my first weeks as a full-fledged deputy, I was working in the courts. So when you first start out, when you first get hired in a county, you usually start out in the courts. At least that's what the county I work for, that's what you did. You usually start out in the courts and you're doing, you're transporting inmates back and forth to their um, court cases. You're uh, working in the jail and stuff like this. So when it comes to working in the jail, this is where this story comes in. Um, we have a certain cell. I guess the best way I can describe it for people is it's basically a cell, a bunch of cells in one big room. So you have bunk bed, you have like eight sets of bunk beds in this one room. And then you have a hallway and then you have another room that's got tables where you can socialize and there's, you know, tables where you can eat and stuff board like games that. and shit. Yeah. Well, I mean, not really board games, but, you know, just a big open area. Well, I'm sorry. I was going back to the movies and shit again. <laughs> yeah. So basically you got this big open area with tables and stuff where you can sit and socialize. And then you got a small hallway that connects to another larger room that's full of their bunk beds. So we had got a tip from somebody in the jail that that day that I was working in the jail that they had contraband in their cells. And so when you get that and it's a pretty serious tip, you do a shakedown. So with that is like you kind of see in the movies where you're basically just going through everybody's stuff. You're, you know, taking the beds off, you're taking the mattresses off, you're looking in the pillowcases, you're looking in their books, their personal items, all that good stuff. So we're in there. I kind of show up a little bit after that had already started and I walk in putting on my gloves and stuff like that. And I walk in and as I'm walking in, I hit something with my foot and I look down and it's a shampoo bottle. So, you know, that hallway I was talking about that connects the two different rooms. Yeah. Well, that's where you can shut doors and kind of block everybody off. So basically you tell all the inmates to go to the common area and then you shut that door and that's how you can get in there safely and you know you don't have to worry about them doing anything. So there's this just ginormous dude and I'm not talking fat, I'm talking buff. Yeah. And he is sitting at that door that blocks off the two areas. And when I knock over that shampoo, I just look down and kind of just go about it and he yells, he goes, "Hey rookie, you just going to knock over it, a couple explicits in here. I'm yeah. not going to go through all that, yeah. but you just going to knock over my shampoo and just leave it on the floor. And I turn around and look at him. And again, this is probably, I'm guessing maybe a week and a half into after I've got hired. Okay. So <laughs> I'm still kind of getting used to some of uh-huh. this stuff. I've never been inside a jail before to yeah. this point. So I'm like, okay, there's some different stuff going on in here. How'd you react to that? And so I kind of just looked at him. And then turned away. We start searching this food. And this entire time, this dude is just sitting here yelling just everything under the book at me. He goes, I'm going to kill you, dude. You better, you better effing just, just going nuts, going nuts, throwing everything. And I'm just kind of ignoring him. And it gets to a point. And this dude, keep in mind, this dude is in on triple homicide. Oh, boy. This mm. dude killed three people. <laughs> he don't give a fuck about you. <laughs> no. You're a little, I'm nothing you're to little this dude. rookie ass. Yeah. They don't stay in a chance. No. So we're kind of searching all their stuff. And as we're kind of walking out, 
I come face to face with this dude on the other side of this wall. Thank God he's on the other side of this wall at this point. And so I'm like face to face with him, dude. He goes, pick up my shampoo right now. <laughs> and I don't know why I did this, but I said, say please. <laughs> I, <laughs> I had no clue. <laughs> had no Clip clue. It. Clip it. <laughs> had no clue where it came from. Didn't even mean to say it because at that point I'm like, okay, little old little old Otis here, you know, a week and a half in talking to a dude who just killed three people. I'm kind of, you know, a little out of my game here. Don't know if I should be doing this or not. <laughs> so, Don't know if I should be doing this. So he goes, please pick up my stuff. Pick up my shampoo. I said, okay. And I picked it up and set it back down near his bed. And he goes, I tell you what, I tell you what, rookie, because these inmates who have been in there for a while, they know the new guys because yeah. they haven't seen your face before. Right. So they know the, so I mean, goes, that's just typical. He goes, I tell you what, rookie, you better hope I don't get out of here and see you on the street and you better hope you keep your family close. So at this point, I'm like, okay. Well, at this point, you're thinking, well, you've killed three people. I doubt you're ever going to see a lighter <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, So I'm like, okay. But it's like, I see this humongous dude yeah, sitting I know here what you mean. threatening me and then my family. And I'm yeah. like, eh, okay. I might be second, second <laughs> guessing myself here. So when you say, you know, have you ever been scared in the job? You know, I kind of already said, you know, it's it's good to be scared sometimes as long as you don't let it affect your your work and all that good stuff. That was kind of a time when if I was scared and I acted like it, he would have known that. Oh, yeah. And he would have taken advantage of me to the all fullest the extent. I mean, that, that's just going back to like the prison officers. Yeah. Prison correction officers. Sorry. Correction yeah. officers. They go through that every single day. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And so that's just kind of a small example of what I kind of think of when you meant scared. Cause it was yeah. just, I was no, a week and a half into it. That's a great example. Yeah. So last question before we head out. Okay. Why did you decide to leave the job? When you're going through the Academy and when you're going through, you know, your interview process and they're asking you the questions of like, Hey, are you going to be able to see, you know, this lady that just got raped? Are you going to be able to see these car crashes with a, a mangled baby in the back seat. Are you going to be able to see this, that, and all this stuff? And while they're asking this, you kind of prepare yourself and you get ready for that. And that's not the stuff that bothers you. It's the little things that you don't think about that bothered me in particular in my, in my kind of experience. So, you know, how it kind of changed my personality in my personal life. I didn't necessarily like the person I was becoming because we've known each other for forever. You guys have always known me as kind of the happy-go-lucky, always pretty much in a good mood, that kind of dude. Yep. I was getting out of that. I was becoming a very, very calloused, insensitive, kind of mean person. And I didn't like that. I didn't want to go through my entire career and by the time I was 30 years in, I was I was done. You know what I mean? Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, and so that makes total sense. I didn't like that aspect of it. And again, that's just my experience. That's just kind of what it did to me personally. And luckily, I think my fiance every day, my family every day to kind of check me while I was going through that of, hey, you're you're basically being a dick right now. You need to stop. 
And so I kind of had it in my head, like, do I really want to do this for my entire career? Do I really want to bring kids into this world and have to put them through that? And so I luckily had the mindset of like, hey, I'm still at a young age. I have a great opportunity here with the Dayton Dragons. You love sports. I love sports. It fits my personality great. You love baseball. I love baseball. I don't think this opportunity is going to come again. I need to probably jump on it right now. That's one of the many reasons why I changed the job. Another one was, I'll be honest with you, and this is kind of where it gets to a little bit of a deeper kind of situation, is I started getting into a depressed mind state of I didn't want to have anything to do with anybody else. And it really started to get to that point of severe anxiety, severe severe depression, kind of, to be honest with you, some very serious kind of mental health issues. Yeah. And luckily, like I kind of already caught it before it got worse. Yes. Luckily, I have an amazing fiance who helped me through that kind of dark time that not a lot of people know about. And it, it was something that I had to kind of deal with with my fiance because it, I, I didn't want to. I didn't want a bunch of people to know about that. You know what I mean? It was. It yeah. was part of that. That was kind of. I wasn't necessarily embarrassed, but it was. I didn't want people to think that it was. I, I couldn't hack it, or yeah. I didn't want people to think that it was a situation where it was the moment was too big for me. But now that I'm out of that situation, it it is a very real thing to get into those really, really dark times and really, really dark mindsets. And it's very important to have the, keep the state of mind and have the wherewithal and have the people around you, friends, family, fiance, wife, whatever it is that can help you through it. If that makes sense. Dude, you just answered that question. You blew me out of the water. So yeah, I, I again, I did, I don't want to get too dark or anything like that. We won't go into too many fantastic de- answer, too many details. But that's kind of what I dealt with in my experience, and it it got to a, a couple very scary, very, very, very scary times. And, and I'm glad you overcame that. Yeah, I just felt like you know whether the sip and serve believes in you know higher powers and all that good stuff, right. but I just felt like the Dayton dragons and that opportunity kind of coming into my life at that certain time was a sign was a little bit of a sign for me to say, Hey, this is not going to be a career path that is going to work for you. You need to go this way. Honestly. I mean, I'm just going to be completely honest here. And this is about as serious as you're going to get roll ski on this podcast. Like you literally just blew me away. Like I'm so glad that you just opened up. Yeah, it, on this podcast, like it takes so much, like you know, strength to open up like that. Yep, publicly. I mean, I mean, you're now an ex police officer, and you mm-hmm. just opened up like that in front of. I mean, we got a lot of listeners, man. Listeners, yeah. it's so. And I mean, to, still now, I'm still a reserve officer with the sheriff's now, office. Now, so, can you explain that to the people? Yeah, you so, said that a few times today. Yeah, so being a reserve, it basically, you, you remember how I said after you graduate the academy, you have a year or two to get a job to yeah. keep your commission? Yep. This basically keeps your commission. 
so I don't get paid for it um, or anything like that. But there's certain things throughout the year I have to do, whether it be I have to work a certain amount of hours throughout the year. I have to do training throughout the year. I have to do, you know, this stuff. And that basically keeps my commission. So, so how long can you keep that? As long as you want. There's people that are reserves that are 60, 70 years old. Okay. Yeah. So, so you can work for the Dayton Dragons and you can still keep your reserve for as long as you want. Yep. And if you ever want to go back to your department or another department, you can fit right in yep. and not have to go through the academy. Absolutely. hundred percent. Okay. Yep. Dude. You hit that nail around the head. Dude. Give me a nug for that. Yep. Dude, that is that was such a great conversation, dude. I can't tell you enough how much I appreciate you coming on tonight. Absolutely, buddy. Man, sipping squad. If you guys didn't enjoy that conversation, you, I don't know what to tell you. It was a good one. That was freaking great. And man. I gotta say, Rolski, I you came up with some good, like I've never been interviewed before. Yeah. But that was a great interview. Dude, that was uh, a, you did a great I job. I gotta give asking. a shout out to DG. I mean, I mean, he sent me 10 out of about 50 I asked. Okay. But DG helped. Okay. Um, so shout out to DG. Shout out DG. Yeah. He, asked, he asked some good questions as well. But man, that was such a great time. Yeah. Absolutely. But you know what? The pod's got to go on. Corey with the K. Can we get Leo on real quick? Why aren't a hot guy like possums? Because they played that at home. And they get killed on the road. Hey, Roski, I want to challenge Troy to a football trivia challenge. I know a lot about football. I'll guarantee I'll whip his butt. <laughs> Troy, are you up to a challenge against a five-year-old? Go Blue, Troy, Iowa. Oh, boy. First things first. <laughs> I love that little kid because <laughs> that was awesome. So his joke at the beginning, what's the difference between the Hawkeyes and a possum? They play dead at home and get killed on the road. I like it. So Leo, this is going to air after the Big Ten championship game. Michigan plays Iowa. And that's either going to be a really good joke. Yeah. Or it's going to be a really really bad one. Yeah. So, Leo, I'm hoping you're on the really good side of this joke, my brother. Yep. But, uh, Troy, Leo is calling you out for a trivia challenge, a football trivia challenge on next week's podcast against a five-year-old. Troy, do you think you can beat a five-year-old in trivia? He's going going to have his hands full. We're going to find out because this kid says he knows his stuff. I believe it. Do you think Troy could beat him? I'm going to first say it's going to depend heavily on how much alcoholic beverages Troy has had that evening. That's number one. Number two, no. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm going to let you know, whenever Troy rolls into this studio, he likes to have a good time. And all of our listeners out there know that. Yep. And we've got a lot of bourbon set out here on the table for Troy. But when he rolls into the studio, he brings his own stuff. He brings his own glass. He brings his own bourbon. He brings his own beer. Troy is ready to get down and have a good time on this podcast. So Leo, I'm going to give you a 70% chance to win 70, 30. Yeah. I'm just going to say, I'm going to leave it at that. I say that's a good 70, 30. I'm going to give Leo the hand here. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, to have that much confidence to send in that video like that and call 
Troy out just like that. One of the main guys, one of our main guests on this podcast, Absolutely. Leo, just started three weeks ago. Absolutely. Leo's the main part of this podcast now, <laughs> but he just started three weeks ago. Absolutely. Troy's been a day one. Absolutely. And this this five-year-old is calling out Troy. Standing toe-to-toe. On episode 91. No fear. I love it. No fear, I love Leo. It. I love it. Leonidas the king. Never lose it. Before we head out this week, I just want to give a quick shout out to two great men, two great listeners, two guys who support the shit out of this podcast, Justin and Nathan. While we're recording tonight, they stopped by. They dropped off a gift box on our front porch of the studio. And inside that gift box was four awesome hats with leather patches that say Sip and Serve Podcast on them. These hats are phenomenal. I'm going to say if you were selling these in a store, they'd be $25, $35 hats. Easily. Easily. Super nice hats. They dropped them off for us, guys. But not only the hats. They went above and beyond. They went above and beyond, Otis. They dropped off a bourbon mystery gift box. And I'm going to try to explain this. These came from Owl Creek Creations company out of frankfurt ohio mm-hmm. and they brought in like four makeshift crates that have bottles inside of them inside the bottles there's different kind of bourbon and the bottles are numbered yep and they want us to try to guess the type of bourbon inside of the bottles so it's kind of like a little uh mystery gift box kind of like a contest to see yeah. who can get the uh Get their guesses right on yep. what kind of bourbon's inside. Now, when you're looking at this, Otis, this is some great detail on these crates. I mean, it, this this crate has got it's got the year 2021. It's got the Sip and Serve podcast logo, sipping what's cold, serving what's hot, engraved in engraved wood, engraved into the wood, and it's also saying Merry Christmas. And that's just one. That's just all of them have something unique on each one of the little crates. There's four different crates, people. And yeah, it's the amount of detail that went into this gift is unbelievable. When we when we saw these, we I, all just were like, what? my my mouth dropped. Yeah, yeah, we were like, this is this he, is he crazy. Told, he told me he was bringing over some bourbon over for us to test, and I'm like, well, okay, that's yeah. fine. We'll do that. Yeah. But when he dropped off these crates, I mean. It is unbelievable. I cannot wait to post these on Facebook and Instagram. And we're going to do a whole YouTube video on the uh, contest that we're going to do. It'll be coming up and it's going to be phenomenal. So I just want to give a shout out to Justin and Nathan from Owl Creek Creations out of Frankfurt, Ohio. I mean, we can't thank you guys enough for the gift, the hats. I mean, it's that time of year, man. Absolutely. I know. I know both of them. Uh, personally and you know they're very good at obviously creating little gifts and stuff but they're also two good two good guys so yeah it's a it's a win-win win-win win that's gonna do it for us this week and here's a little teaser for you guys troy will be on the next three episodes Give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram at Sip and Serve Pod. Like us on Facebook. Our email is sipandservepod at gmail.com. Don't forget to call us on our Sip and Serve hotline. Leave us a question or story to be heard on the show. Our number is 740 720 
737. Like I said before, we will be doing a new YouTube video in the upcoming weeks testing these bourbons out. Otis, can't thank you enough, brother. I loved, absolutely loved this podcast. Absolutely, Clay. Absolutely. I appreciate you and Walters having me on. And uh, yeah, there it was hard to pack all these stories into uh, one podcast. So like I said, part two, I got some funny stories uh, in my in my memory here. So we'll keep them from part two. Let's do it. Corey K, take us out.